You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Everyone and welcome to the room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number two hundred and fifteen. We're discussing Shazam. Yep, that's right, Shazam. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Carlos. I'm Shazam. Sanjay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. This has been a very, very long time coming for those that have been sticking this podcast out with us for the last year or so or more, you'll know that this Shazam review has been coming soon for quite some time. And it's finally here. We're going to revisit DC's, I think, seventh entry into the DC Extended Universe with Shazam. And now we're only one year and one week late with this review. This did debut in theaters on April 5th, 2019. And here we are. On the year plus one week anniversary of our Shazam review, (laughs) we are here to talk about it in all sorts of detail. Now, this film comes with a bit of contention within the podcast itself because we've had an ongoing battle between two of our hosts here. Hashtag Team Troy, hashtag Team Sanjay. This almost ended the podcast, this film, because it got so intense on Twitter and behind the scenes between these two about their differences opinion on this film. And we're going to revisit that in great detail here, even maybe even spike sparking civil war part two in the nerd room here. Now we've brought in our good friends, Carlos here, full-time host, but he is now in the ring here with me to help bring some of the tension down, guys. Everyone's a <laughs> no, bit tense man, no, these no, days. No, no tension. I mean, if, if I needed, like, <laughs> Troy's opinion on, like, um, I don't know, using baby oil to make my muscles look big, then I would ask for it. But, like, if I'm asking for his review on Shazam, like, you know, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and it starts off just the way it should. Team Sanjay throwing a bit of a grenade over into Troy's court here, guys. This is going to be a lot of fun. The contention, all that, is just for fun, but maybe not. We'll see how bad it gets here on the podcast. Guys, this is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun, like I said, because it's funny. We didn't review this film initially because I didn't have a chance to see it in theaters for whatever reason. Probably I just had a kid, I think. I did. No, I did. Yeah, I was four days out from having a kid. So, yeah, give me a break. Come on. Give me a break here. But... That being said, I'm probably the freshest here because I've watched it twice or once and a half in the last day or so. So I have this movie firmly placed in my head. Unfortunately, Carlos and Troy are a couple months out, if not longer, from seeing this film. So we're going to have to dredge up some of their thoughts here as we get into the detailed review. This whole podcast, like we always do with our reviews, is going to be the entire review. So no weekend nerd, nothing like that. We're going to get back to that next week. And of course, I have to do a big shout out here and a dedication of episode 215 to our good friend, grabs he's been waiting patiently for this podcast for over a year we've teased it on almost every single podcast for that year with that coming soon tag it is here it is dedicated to you my friend and i hope 
I really do hope you enjoy it. And also for all the listeners out there, this is for you guys. Plug into Shazam, have a watch. We're going to do a spoiler-free review of it here for a few minutes and then jump into our detailed breakdown of the film. So that being said, guys, let's talk spoiler-free Shazam. And I'm going to I'm going to let you two stew in the background here for a second, Sanjay and Troy. Where and I'm going to throw it to to Carlos here first to give us your kind of insights into the film. You know, yes, it was a year or so ago you walked out of the theater after seeing this, but what were what are your first impressions or the impressions that you remember walking out of the theater for Shazam? You know, I should have almost read my letterbox review before I logged on to do this recording. <laughs> That's cheating. Here. That's cheating. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm convinced that with the heat that was being built between Team Troy and Team Sanjay, that I was brought in just simply when one of them goes down, that I would be the third man around the table. Just Tim doing a bit of future plan in there. That's but, why we're doing this review through Skype. You know, if we had done this in person. That's why you were like the bodyguard to like break it up. Because we're in Skype, though, thankfully I'll be, I'll be all in one piece tomorrow after this review. Yeah. Succe- <laughs> succession planning is what they call it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, you know what? The thing that sticks out of my mind the most um, was just how charmed and how much the kids around me enjoyed the movie. Uh, when we went, I had my youngest on one side of me, and on the other side of me, I had like a little boy. He was like five to eight years old. And this kid was riveted, just into the movie, laser focused the whole time. My girls were giggling, laughing, having a good time. And this kid, you could tell he was just eating it all up. He had like his mom was there and she was like a terrible audience member. But despite <laughs> that, like I remember him even chastising her at one point in time for like <laughs> using her phone and bugging him about if he wanted snacks and stuff. So, yeah, you know, that was that was probably the most endearing thing about the movie was how much that target audience absolutely loved it. Um, as we go through the re- review, I don't want to show my hand, but I might be a bit of Team Troy, might be a bit of Team Sanjay, but uh, <laughs> we'll get into that in a bit. I-, I think maybe I showed my hand with uh, sitting here wearing a black Adam shirt, but we'll see how it plays out. <laughs> awesome. And from my opinion here, before we get into the- these two gentlemen sitting across from me, you know what? It's It's a film, and I agree with you. It has kind of this very nice, endearing quality to it. The kids in this are the standout for sure. I have Freddie Freeman is my favorite character in the film. Shazam, Zachary Levi, really, really good stuff. I enjoyed that element of it. And again, I'm not going to show a ton of my hand on the spoiler free here because I think we'll have a bit more fun with it in the spoiler section. But I will say there are certain elements of this film that I loved and other elements that I really did not. I took particular issue with a few aspects of it. In parts, it feels like almost two completely different movies from two completely different directors. And they're just smooshed together. And I don't, and I want to talk through this in detail. So I'm not going to go too much further on that. But I will say it's worth a watch. You know, current circumstances notwithstanding, it's worth sitting down, having a watch. I believe it's on HBO Max at this point, And you can rent it online for like five bucks. I would sit down and get into it if you haven't, because I think the spoiler free review is going to be a lot of fun within the nerd room tonight. And it's it, to me, it's worth that five bucks if that's what you're looking for as far as a recommendation. Um, but there are some, again, I agree with you. There's some real team Sanjay stuff here. There's some real team Troy stuff here, <laughs> and I'll, I'll get into that. So now I'm going to let I'm going to turn them loose, Troy. Oh man! Again, we're in the spoiler free section. 
Yeah. And, you know, your hand has, has been very much apparent on the podcast for the last year or oh, yeah. so. But oh, yeah. let, let's hear a little bit of that and we'll save most of it for the spoiler review. Yeah, man, no poker face here. Um, <laughs> you know, it's been a it's been a long, long time since I've seen this film. I don't have any intentions of revisiting it, but I do remember um, leaving. I was kind of left just kind of knocked down. I, you know, I wasn't um, the biggest guy going to this film expecting much, but I did expect a lot more than what I I got out of this. I do agree with you, Tim, completely with the two different kind of directions they were going with this film. Um, some of it felt very cinematic and other parts felt very CW and that's not a knock against CW because uh, CW has been doing some great things honestly with their um, Arrowverse and Flashverse but some of the stuff just felt like it was made for TV as opposed to the big screen um, the kids the kids were pretty cool I, I really did like um, I can't remember the actors names but I did like the two boys the chemistry throughout the film was pretty great um, yeah I think that might be about it for me I mean there's a lot of things that are forgettable and again it's been a long time the score didn't stand out for me. Mm. The effects definitely didn't stand out for me. Um, yeah, man, there's no real action sequence that blew my mind. But uh, but we'll get into it, man. We'll get into this for sure. Yeah, we certainly yeah. certainly <laughs> will. All right, Sanjay, man, have at it. Yeah. You came out of this thing very, very positive. And you've yeah. been a staunch supporter of Shazam from day one. And I'll agree with you. You know, running into the trailers and all that, I was super excited for this film. Very, very excited. You know, they sold me on something, and we'll get into if they actually delivered on that. But it seems like consistently it delivered for you. David Stamberg delivered the Shazam movie that you wanted. Yeah, man. So, like, coming into this, you know, I I'm a, I was a you know hardcore DC reader, um, and I know a bunch of, like, Marvel characters. But Shazam was one character that I really knew nothing about. Like, really, my only exposure to Shazam was the DC vs. Mortal Kombat video game. And I remember playing it going, like, who's this Shazam guy? I think Actually, I think his name was Captain Marvel in that because he used to be Captain Marvel. So, like, who's this Captain Marvel and this Black Adam? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, 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 and I never used them because I was like, I don't know. I'm just not going to stay away from them. And then they announced the Shazam movie. And I was like, there's so many other characters, but, like, whatever. I'll give it a go. So I went into it again. Like, you know, you go into an Aquaman movie, you know at least something about Aquaman, Deadpool, Captain America. Even if you don't read the comics, you kind of know the gist of the character. Shazam, I like knew almost nothing about. So I go into this movie, and they actually had a pre, like, uh, pre-sale or pre-tickets to like kind of hype the movie up. Because um, it was in like a tough release window in between Captain Marvel and Endgame. So they really wanted to build the hype on social media. So I went to the early screening, and man, like let me tell you, I was blown away by this movie. Like to me, this hits all the right tones. It's like the perfect Christmas movie. This movie takes place around Christmas time. Um, what else can I say? Like this is like a great family movie. It's it's funny in parts and really funny in other parts. And you know, it does have serious moments and a little bit of scary moments in it as well. Um, this was a movie that I've just you know I've seen it now five times since it came out. And every time I watch it, I've enjoyed it more. I pick up on little things that I may have missed or little sight gags or little jokes that, you know, I may not have caught the first four times. So uh, I actually just finished this again yesterday. And after I watched it, I was still like, this thing is special. Like this is, I'm not going to say like this is in the Dark Knight category for me, because like that is like rare air. But I will say that this is like, 
if I'm doing a top 10 DC Comics films, this is on that top 10 list. And it's probably in the middle somewhere. It's probably like five or six. Like, that's where There's I'm like putting 13 this. 13 DC films. <laughs> no, all of DC. I'm talking about like from Superman 1978 up until <laughs> Joker 2019. There's like thirty of them, but to me, this is like a top five or six. It's just holy it just, moly! Oh man, it just strikes that like right catchphrase and everything out of two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I don't know, man. It's just something about like the tone where the humor really spoke to me. Like the humor kind of felt like the Simpsons humor from like the '90s, like the the classic height of the Simpsons, where it was funny but it wasn't like hitting you over the head with the humor. There's a lot of like funny little sight gags or like little moments that you just kind of laugh at. And you may not have noticed it on the first viewing, but on the fourth or fifth viewing, <laughs> definitely notice it. So it's, for me, it's, that... <laughs> it's so refreshing to hear you say that you enjoyed the comedic moments because <laughs> what is the term you constantly use when reviewing Marvel films? Curmudgeon? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you to don't me... like the comedy. Well, here here's the difference. Okay, here's the difference. This one is this one is made by DC. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, we've got a pretty wide or broad spectrum of opinion. It sounds like here on the podcast, so this is going to make for a very interesting review. But before we get into our spoiler section here, I just want to talk a bit about the reception and box office. That's to say, looking back at this. This was a very well-received film, both critically and from the audience. This ranks amongst the best in the DC Extended Universe. And this sits like 90-ish percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which puts it at the top tier of comic book movie films. Like, that's sitting shoulder to shoulder. Again, call Rotten Tomatoes what you want. Like we like, I always put the same caveat on. We use it just as a bit of a barometer to kind of gauge an audience and gauge a critic score. But this sits amongst like Endgame and Black Panther and Dark Knight and all that. Like this is in that space that this film is sitting from a critical perspective. Fans also seemed very generally hyped on this film. And coming off the back end of, I don't know if it's where it sits exactly in the kind of. The, the line of DC Extended Universe films. But like you said, Sanjay, it is a little different, a bit of a twist on what we had seen previously. So I don't know if it's a direct, direct contrast to that. But it, it was very well received. And it did score a $53 million domestic opening, which is very, very reasonable for this. And lands with over $350 million globally as far as a haul. Now, I remember in the 19 fantasy pool for the box office, I did take this banking that this was actually going to do quite a bit more than that. I saw this really springing after watching Captain Marvel do what it did at the box office. I thought it was going to replicate that success. So I wouldn't say this is a, a, a you know a low bar for this type of film but i was expecting a little bit more of that 140 million dollars domestically does that does that seem low for this film for you guys given the reception given where it stood was a bit of fatigue like you said sanjay where you know had that march debut of captain marvel followed by that late april of endgame you know if you're choosing between two films at this point is it the end of the mcu or is it a shazam film you know do you think it ran up against some of that in the space that it was released in i think for me the biggest thing that killed it was that they put the tickets for Endgame on sale opening weekend for Shazam. Yeah. So that happened, and then they had all the all the drama with, with ticket vendors not knowing how many seats they'd have available, and then the massive FOMO that happened with the Endgame presale. So 
you know, as like a family guy, if it's a hundred bucks to take your kids to the movie and then you got Endgame FOMO, so you're making sure you're securing those tickets, mm -hmm. you're not going to spring another hundred bucks in that same weekend to go see Shazam kind of thing. So I think like, honestly, that's the biggest thing that hurt it was just going up against like the cultural phenomenon that was Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Yeah, it it definitely, I, I agree with you. It, it played into that for sure. And it's it's coming off the back end of Captain Marvel into something even bigger. And it just, maybe a release window in February maybe would have served this film a bit better mm -hmm. where it could stand on its own. You know, I, I love that February release slot personally because I find that, you know, we've had some really big hits in there. That February, March release kind of time frame, you know, Deadpool, Black Panther. And it's kind of a space that it leaves you on your own. It's that pre-summer, pre-spring release window. And maybe something like this would have fit better into that space, especially with more of the competing tone. You know, people, you know, we're coming off the back end, especially here in Canada, deep, dark winter. Let's get, you know, let's pump our veins with something that's a bit fun, right? And before we, you know, get into those summer, big, huge tentpole sort of films, let's watch something like this. So maybe a release window a little closer to that February slot would have served this a bit better. It did also suffer from the fact that, you know, Endgame was supposed to be a week later originally and they shoved it back. And it kind of creeped in on that Shazam extended weekend type of or extended legs type of release window. So it was playing with a bit of fire in that release window, unfortunately, and didn't get that. But that being said, you know, this had a relatively reasonable budget, big haul worldwide, that 300 plus, 350 plus million dollars. It's getting a, a sequel here in 2022. You know, presumably in 2022, given that everything can start on time and all that. But that speaks to what could be the potential profitability of a, of a character like this, a franchise like this. So it is good to see that. And then they're also building on the fact that they're bringing in Dwayne Johnson to play Black Adam, which is the, I don't, again, I'm not sh totally sure of this, but he is at least in some form an antagonist, maybe the antagonist for Shazam. So building up a pseudo trilogy in that sense too is going to help build this character up. I think this is a good introduction to it. It made the money it needed to. It's got a sequel. It's going to build off Black Adam as well. So we're going to get somewhat of a, a little bit of a franchise in here too. Yeah, man. And uh, just going back to the uh, like profitability of this, I think Variety does like the most profitable films. They mm -hmm. release like all the data and stuff. And Shazam came in, I think, number 21 of last year some somewhere around there and it said it made about 75 million dollars yeah. in profit when like everything was said and done so that's pretty good considering that it only cost 100 million to make so you know you're right you know it made 360 million i wish it could it should have made double that in my opinion um but it's still profitable and i think enough people liked it that when the sequel comes out i think this thing has potential to do four 500 million yeah, especially if Black Adam does well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They really, really push Black Adam as being a piece of the wider Shazam universe. I think yeah. they can really. Do we know if the uh, director's coming back for part two? I believe so. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. 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 He seems very invested in this, too. And let's talk about uh, David Sandberg a little bit here. He's not the most obvious choice for this. He comes from a, and Sanjay, you'll be better at this, a bit of a horror background, correct? Yeah, man. Actually, um, Back in the day when I went to San Diego for Comic-Con, I went to something called Scare Diego, and he and the cast actually came out to introduce his Annabelle film. So he did the best Annabelle film, I think. Annabelle, um, create no, not creation. It's, it's like Origins. It's like Annabelle's uh, Origins. Uh, so he did that one and super well-received, but he actually came out to introduce the film with the cast. So he was there in Scare Diego. So 
um, you know, I just, I met him after and I threw out all these ideas for Shazam and he took them and then he <laughs> went ahead and made Shazam. Uh, uh, no, yeah, you're sense, right. No. He, uh, this guy is like uh... there it is that's the first one two combo hit <laughs> coming in fast and furious that there. was well placed um uh no this guy you threw me off my game there troy uh this, this guy is like he's a legend so this guy got to start david sandberg he started making youtube videos and he made a short uh called lights out Mm-hmm. And it blew up on YouTube. And then WB gave him a chance. They said, okay, you can make the feature length version of Lights Out. And he made it, and it was like a pretty good success. So they said, okay, now you can take like the Annabelle, uh, the Conjuring Universe. They gave him that. He knocked it out of the park again. And then so they gave him a third film, Shazam, and he knocked it out of the park again. So this guy is just, he's money in the bank, man. <laughs> yeah, you know. We'll, we'll talk about this in a, in a few minutes because I, th- I do my personal opinion here is that their his directing style doesn't exactly fit everything that was done in the film. Um, there's some, I think, elements that really stick out as being, yes, I can see his background in this film. And those present themselves, I think, almost as that, that separate style of film that I'm watching. Uh, but we will get into that. And I think the, the, good, the great thing here about, about David Sandberg too as well, he is a champion of this character and of this property in the same fashion that you have James Gunn with you know Guardians of the Galaxy and now the Suicide Squad. You have these guys that really take these, these characters and the development of it very personally. And I love seeing him really wave the flag of Shazam, what's happening next, keeping the fans updated. So I will never, ever fault him for anything in that in that realm because he I I think that's an important piece of all of this is that we were seeing I believe he's doing a was he doing a live viewing party I know James Gunn was and a few Scott Derrickson did one he he did one as well correct yes yeah so I haven't I didn't have a chance to catch that I don't know if he's done it yet or not uh, but he's another guy that, yeah, he's out there really waving that DC Shazam flag, and I can really appreciate the investment in the character on that. Uh, fingers crossed that we see him continue through this universe and having a big influence on that. So with all that being said, guys, let's jump into the spoiler section of the review. So if you've not seen Shazam, this is your warning. Spoiler free, we're going to unleash Troy and Sanjay here. <laughs> <laughs> with all their fury hold me back hold me back <laughs> and we're going to break this down in a bit of detail here starting everything from talking about characters the development of said characters and through the plot so spoiler warning you have been warned join us on this journey if you have no plan on watching the film or if you're looking for that eventual recommendation whether you should jump into it or not but guys here we go it is time to start our spoiler review of shazam <laughs> which funny enough i didn't realize what shazam stood for until oh, really? this film when buddy started spouting off solomon hercules atlas zeus achilles and mercury i didn't realize it was actually an acronym for the gods of old <laughs> crazy yeah i like how it's like half greek but like half roman as well yeah it's a bit of an <laughs> odd like, mixture shazam sounds good right like <laughs> and so, works so backwards from it <laughs> he's like he has was it the strength of zeus so he has like the strength of wonder woman's dad the power of zeus the strength yeah, of strength achilles of Hercules, yeah. Right? Yeah, okay, the wisdom yeah, yeah. of solomon the courage of achilles the speed of mercury i said that kind of in the wrong order but 
Anyways, I, uh, I did not know that. I prefer Captain Sparklefingers, to be honest with you. <laughs> okay, can we get this out of the way? Um, Captain Marvel. That yes. was his, like, OG name. Do you think... So, um, Carlos, you will know this. So, he used to be called Captain Marvel, and he was actually, before the Marvel, Captain Marvel. So why is he now Shazam? Like, did they, like, lose a lawsuit? But, like, they had him first. So, like, what's up with that? Okay, strap in. Here's your history lesson. So (laughs) the original Captain Marvel, so Billy Batson says the magic word Shazam turns into Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. Uh, He came out after Superman and was published by a company called Fawcett Comics. So he wasn't even a DC character. Uh, DC Comics took... Fawcett Comics to court saying that Shazam was too much of a ripoff of Superman because um, surprisingly enough sales of Shazam and his popularity uh, started to outstrip Superman so DC started to get worried so at one point in time in the like 30s early 40s um, Shazam was more popular than Superman DC takes uh, Fawcett Comics to court the judge rules in favor of DC Comics um Fawcett then falls on hard times is acquired by DC comics and they absorb Shazam into their universe. And he's kind of like the poor stepbrother to Superman, obviously, because they don't want to outstrip their, their flagship character. So he kind of gets put on the back burner a bit. And then he um, eventually goes into a bit of a hiatus and they don't publish him as the title character of a comic book for, long enough and so the copyright on the title mm. of the comic book lapsed but not on the ti- not on the name of the character so marvel uh who had started to come into prominence in the like 60s they wanted to have the name captain marvel for one of their characters because back then it just fit with the branding of such things so when they saw that the um, copyright on the title of the comic book or of the magazine as it were lapsed they jumped on it. They published Captain Marvel, and then they continued to put out a book with the title Captain Marvel since then, so that they could hold on to that copyright. Mm-hmm. Um, DC retained the name Captain Marvel for the character because they could still use it, because obviously he came first. Um, but they could no longer call their comics um, Captain Marvel, so then they went with Power of Shazam, but he was still oh. called Captain Marvel. And then flash forward to like the 2000s and DC uh, decided they're like, you know what? Everybody thinks this character's name is Shazam anyways. And nobody knows who the heck you're talking about when you say Captain Marvel. So let's just rename him Shazam proper. And uh, that's why we're at where we're at with this. So interesting. Interesting. That is a very cool history. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I I heard one thing of Shazam is that uh, back in the day, Elvis got all his outfits and all his looks. Now, I can't remember if it's from Shazam or Captain Marvel Jr., but he was like a big fan of the comic book. So if you go to Graceland, you'll see like the Shazam lightning bolt everywhere. He was he was a huge, super huge fan uh, growing oh, yeah. up. So yeah, yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah, when he started wearing like the capes and stuff. And yeah, yeah, the like one piece suits. Yeah, yeah. short capes. <laughs> Interesting. Oh. There you go. That that character is right. uh, that that that's very fascinating. That history of it, it's. I, I think it's. it's I think it's a, funny that everybody fights over that name because it's just like it's not a great well, name. And for to be character. honest with you, yo, even <laughs> even the name Captain Marvel for Carol Danvers, like it's not a great name. 
in my opinion. Like it kind of sticks mm-hmm. out as being like very on the nose. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's almost self-serving in a sense. And it's just like I it's I find it less abrasive now that it's just become part of the terminology. But at the onset it's kind of like it's it's just weird. Like Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, it just seemed very much, you know, I don't know. It just almost seemed like a a trope on on all this or like some sort of inside joke Mm. that's just like perpetuated itself through the history of comic books but it is there and uh yeah there's always that that battle captain who's the real captain marvel shazam's the first and now we have the legacy of carol danvers of course and marvell himself so very interesting there now there's there's a bit of a history lesson i guess for for shazam the name as well as how it comes into into play here for the movie but let's get let's get into the movie here, guys. So this this movie opens with a dump of exposition here, trying to explain the lore behind Shazam, Captain Marvel, whatever you want to call it. I don't know how close this is to the comic book movies, but the interesting thing is here we get you know we get the ancient wizard of Shazam, we get the Rock of Eternity, the Seven Deadly Sins. This whole idea about passing on the Shazam, the Council of Wizards, the you know everything kind of just thrown at you at once, and it's through the eyes of of Thetis Savan. That's this is the the character that eventually becomes the antagonist of the film. Now this part here, this this is where I I see at least personally some of the initial issues with the film, or at least I have with the film. This is this whole piece of it, seeing and understanding the lore through the eyes of the antagonist, through what I would say is kind of the serious look at all this, with all this stuff that they're chucking at us. I like it better when they're almost making fun of that stuff. And this here is is so like, you know, giving the the perspective of the antagonist. This is where he's born. This is where, you know, all his hatred and envy and all that comes from. And you're trying to tell us all this crazy stuff through this to form your villain. I struggle with this piece of it through the entire film, the villain, the seven deadly sins. All of this is what feels like a completely separate movie to me and kicking it off like this. My preference, again, this is just a preference would have been, let's see it through the eyes of Billy Batson. You know, he's the one that kind of initially makes fun of the name understanding all this from the kid's perspective but this here i don't know if you guys are gonna throw it to you first here troy did you see this from the same light as i am this whole you know exposition lore through the eyes of what is eventually the antagonist did you take any particular issue with this do you think this is a good way to introduce the crowd your audience to the film of shazam no, I thought it was kind of weak. Um, I like what they're trying to do, um, giving you the eyes of the um, of the bad guy here, the big bad. But I feel like it's executed poorly. I feel like this was their chance to get kind of, I don't want to compare it to a Marvel film, but basically, you know, the best villains are the villains that you can kind of sympathize with or mm-hmm. kind of not even really root for, but kind of get your, you know, their perspective from. And I feel like they failed in all ways on this part. Um which has kind of led even more for a poor kind of executed bad guy going forward after this moment. So it didn't really do too much for me. Again, the, um, the child actor, I, I feel bad always, you know, calling out these kids, but um, he didn't ruthless, really man, ruthless. I know, ruthless, right? Yeah, yeah, these younglings, man. Uh, no, just, no one can ruthless. follow Jake Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Wow, actually, if you go back to our Birds of Prey review, someone actually did that guy. But um, no, um, yeah, I'm with you, Tim. I, I just didn't really feel this bad guy. It wasn't necessarily the fact that they decided to go this route with the bad guy. I just feel like they executed it poorly, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sonny, man, how are you feeling about the, kind of this like very abrupt introduction to Shazam? Like, is this a good exposition dump for you to kind of get? Let's get some of this, you know, Rock of Eternity, Seven Deadly. Let's get this consumed. Get that in the back of my head. When it pops up later, I'll be like, oh, yeah, okay, here it is. It was introduced to us in the first two minutes of the film. How do you feel about how they dump you into the, the first part of, of Shazam here? Yeah, man. Like, uh, for me, th- this worked for sure. Um, definitely the villain is one of the weaker parts of the movie. You know, in DC, the villains always seem to, like, stand out. Whereas this villain, he was kind of just there, like, he wasn't really the main focus, but what I did like was that uh, Thaddeus there, um, just kind of showing the contrast between him and Billy. You had Thaddeus who grew up with the family he was born into, showing his dad, who's played excellently by Lionel Luther from Smallville. Yeah, I thought he was great yep. in it. I was like, I saw that and I was like, oh my god, this movie has me hooked already because it has a Smallville actor in it. So I don't even care what the rest of the movie's about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just like how they you're setting it up. So you have. Um, Thad, who has his family that he's born into. You have Billy, who's searching for his family he's born into, and he's in the foster system. Yet he doesn't know that the parents, you know, that is his family. Um, so I kind of like how they have the contrast in how um, Thad is the bad guy and Billy's the good guy. And it's just kind of showing the difference in um, circumstances between the two. So I thought they did a good job setting it up. Um, you know, I like the song, um, Do You See What I See? Um, kind of saying like you know Thad's in the back saying like with the with the magic eight ball, and then they also showed the little inchworm, which you know he'll come back he'll come back later. But I, I like like you know I just thought it was a nice setup because it showed the attention to detail. You had the inchworm, you had the Easter egg there, um, you had the Rock of Eternity, the wizard, and um, I don't know for me it's just like okay and and the Christmas song, um, the snow and everything is just like I know this movie came out in like March, but I was like man, like, I feel like I could watch this at Christmas time. So for me, um, I agree, you know, the villain, um, Dr. Savannah, is one of the weaker parts. But the opening scene, I, w- I was hooked. Especially because Lionel Luther's in it. I mean, come yeah. on. Well, Smallville. I'll give you Lionel. I'll give you Lionel. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he's great, man. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because I find myself never connecting to the villain story here. They don't give you any context for – like all of a sudden his dad's turn around calling him a little shit and you need to stand up for yourself and all this. It's just like, boom, it, you under, I understand what they're trying to do, but I'm not given enough to chew on here to sympathize with this character. And yeah, I see the great contrast that they're, they're trying to construct here with Thaddeus being the one person that wants the acceptance of his father, of his brother. And then you've got Billy Batson running around wanting no part of any family. Like I, I that's a great yin yang, great contrast, two sides of the same coin. But they never give me enough to care at all about this character, even as kid form here. They kind of rush through this thing, and I get it. I get where they're going. They want to spend more time. Economic storytelling is something I'm always banging on about. But this all feels, and especially the stuff when they're in the whatever you want to call it, Shazam's Wizard World, this all feels like it's shot on a small soundstage oh. somewhere. Like I never, I never get into that universe the same way that, I have with other villains and that. And I get, this is difficult stuff here. Like we're, we're dealing with some pretty wild, you know, early 1900s concepts when we're talking about, you know, 
what the, what we're doing here. We've seen some crazy stuff on comic book. There's a lot of really crazy stuff in here. I'll give you that. <laughs> but I never really, really buy into or sympathize at all with this villain. Carl, how you how, like what what's your what's your opinion here? You come with a bit more of comic book knowledge to this character. This opening exposition is this the right way to start the film? Yeah, you know what? I'm kind of on the side of you and Troy there, where it no! was just <laughs> sorry, sorry, dude. It was just it was just way too dense. Yeah, and you had too many uh, emotions and too many. Um, kind of character traits competing with each other through this whole thing. So you had like the young Thaddeus and you didn't know if you're supposed to be sympathetic towards him or um, if he was kind of Machiavellian when you see him interacting with the wizard and the rock of eternity. And then with his father and his brother, like obviously they're kind of bad guys, but then, do they deserve to be smashed by the vehicle and stuff because the kids screwing around in the back seat. And on top of that, they're dumping all this lore as to who um, the wizard is and what his powers are all about. And then that kind of continues into the need to um, have a new champion for Shazam or the wizard. And I, I just thought it was, unnecessarily dense and a lot of that had to do with uh, them deciding to go with kind of the newer version of Billy Batson and Shazam versus the old version. Mm. So like the traditional Billy Batson, um, the reason that he was given the power of Shazam was because he was just this, like despite his circumstances, despite being like this super poor orphan kid fending for himself, like he was still a genuinely good person kind of get, get a piece of bread from the baker and go share it with the homeless guy who's had just a little bit less to eat kind of thing. So that's why he's, he's the one. Who gets the... Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and, uh, but with this one, it was kind of like the, the kind of douchey Billy Batson gets the power Shazam because the wizard he ran out just, of time. Yeah. It's just desperate. <laughs> right? So with that, that forces you to do all this stuff with the Savannah's and that they're so impure and so imperfect and then they have that little exposition dump a bit later on where there's all these other people who have been touched by this um, wizard and have been considered as the champion and whatnot. And it just it got to be too muddled and too awkward. I think there was a cleaner way of telling that. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that they wanted to go with that version of Billy Batson kind of handcuffed them with everything. Yeah. So that, that's kind of my take on it. And I definitely see what they were going for with having the dichotomy between the two families and that you have this kid that has the family that he rejects and Billy having a family that he's welcomed into and that he embraces. But I think by making the Savannah family all mustache twirling villains, yes, it made it hard. Like I think if you actually made Thaddeus's parents endearing and he was kind of the bad egg, mm -hmm. the whole thing would have worked a bit better. And agreed. Yeah. Not been so cumbersome. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I fully agree with you there because I find you know, and we're gonna get it. This is a second the introduction or the dynamic between this Billy Batson and the Shazam Wizard. Is he? Is his name Shazam at that point? Correct. The remote yeah, wizard. The, the wizard Shazam. Wizard Shazam. I find if they had a leaned into the comedic edge of this this movie in these parts, I would have consumed this a bit better. 
Like some of this stuff is ridiculous. The rock of eternity and all that. Hey, I'm a comic book reader. Pull them through. <laughs> we went through infinity stones and all this exposition, all this kind of crazy stuff. But certain elements of that were leaned into on the comedic end. I think pull that piece of it and be like, what are you talking about? Rocky returning? No, this is this. And this is, it was uh, to me, the delivery of it was yeah, very, very dense. I agree with that. It just boom. And it wasn't really until my second viewing that I got that the number seven was super important in this film, you know, seven deadly sins, the seven wizards, the, the seven times the, the script has to come up. It, that all be, and I'm sure there's more of it in there that I've missed that didn't really shine bright that that was an important piece of it all until my second viewing. And so, yeah, maybe there's those second, third viewings that you're talking about Sanjay, that this becomes a bit more clear, but if you're going to sit someone down for the first time and say, here's a guy with a crazy name already, here's all this, this is difficult to digest in the first five minutes of the film. So, but once we get there, we jump ahead like 30 plus years or so, 40 years or so into present day Philadelphia. And we're introduced to our 14 year old foster kid, Billy Batson. You know, he has his interaction at the start with the police, you know, him being somewhat of a, a kid on the run with this idea of chasing his mother. You know, this is something that is played on quite heavily in the film. And that's the idea of family, both from the villain and the hero side of things. But this kid that's playing the Billy bats and I believe his name is Asher angel. He he's great in this role. I find that him and the kid that plays Freddie Freeman, they have a fantastic, fantastic give and take in chemistry across here. I like this end of thing. This is like really that, that big on steroids type of film where you've got this nice early on introduction to this kid and this kid really demands your, your, your eyes on the screen. I think he, he's quite a charismatic kid. And then once they pair him up with Freddie Freeman, I'm really enjoying what's going on here. We get a bit of a backstory into Billy Batson from his perspective, you know, his mother loses him. She was kind of this great person and all this. And we find out later on actually what the case is. And that, that really points the character in a different direction, but Sonny man, this this character, this younger, this 14-year-old Billy Batson, you know, at the onset here, are you enjoying what you're seeing on screen with him and also some of the family dynamic? We can bring that into the discussion here a little bit about him being introduced to his new foster parents and some of the supporting cast that we'll get into here in a few minutes. Yeah, man, I definitely thought he was like one of the strong points. You're right, like uh, Angel Asher, that's his name? I think so. Asher, Asher Angel, Asher one Angel. of the two. Yeah. He's uh, Chris Angel's nephew. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, man. magic, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man, I, thought, I thought he brought it. You know, um, b- being a child actor, it's tough. And uh, I thought all the children in this did a really good job. Um, you know, just, you know, as he progresses and he meets the foster parents, to me, they kind of steal the show. Like, I don't know, man, but like Agreed. the foster dad and mom, they kill me. They're so funny and so heartwarming and so touching. Like when he was like saying in the car, he's like, girl, I'm young at heart. Like I, I lose it every time I hear that line. Like to me, the fast, the foster family like steals the show. Yes, this is Shazam. And we'll get into the, um, the rest of like the Shazam later on. But um, I love each and every one of them. Like Eugene, Mary, um, as you said, um, uh, Freddie Freeman, I thought I thought they were all excellent. Uh, Pedro, I thought, you know, to me they're all excellent. So man, I I, I loved it all. 
Yeah. I don't know what else to say, but they were they were all good. <laughs> I agree with you. The family dynamic here and the supporting cast and the young actors really steal the film for me. This is the best stuff when it's on screen, in my opinion, for this. And maybe and that's not at a at a complete detriment to the film, but this this is the stuff that makes you buy into the character of Billy Bass and buy into the dynamic here and buy into kind of everything that's being constructed around the Batson character. Now, Carlos, pulling a few strings from the comic books and also, you know, your opinion here on how this dynamic actually evolves throughout the film and how you feel about Billy Batson here. You mentioned that it is a bit of a contrast to what we've seen in the past. This is more of an updated version of Billy Batson. But does David Stanberg and kind of the writing here find a way to, to grow in, kind of bring some endearing aspects to, to Billy Batson character? Yeah, I thought they did a good job. Uh, going with the newer version of of Billy Batson and Shazam, like they softened him just enough from uh, how he was introduced in the comic books that you could um, find a couple angles and perspectives to make him sympathetic. But at the same time, he had that edginess that was uh, a trait of the updated Billy Batson. I really loved the dynamic of the family. Mm. Um, like you said, uh, Jack Dylan Grazer is Freddie Freeman was phenomenal and really amazing yeah he carried a lot of this movie uh the family was good they had great chemistry with all of them like the foster mom and dad were plausible as uh, foster parents and then their motivations um Mm -hmm. really helped you embrace them uh mary was good i kind of question why they cast her so um so old though just because I found a hard time bridging that version to the one that you see at the end of the movie mm-hmm. kind of thing. But um, yeah, no, all in all, I, I thought that he was great and they they definitely nailed it for what they were going for with that updated kind of new 52 version yeah. of Shazam. They, yeah. they did a good job. So. Yeah, agreed. One of my favorite aspects about Freddie Freeman is he kind of brings this like realism in the comic book space to this film. This is where some of those great subtle ties and maybe not so subtle ties to the DC extended universe. You know, we're living in a post justice league world here, post man of steel, Batman versus Superman world in this film. And that character, you know, everything from the bullet to the batarang to the t-shirts that he's wearing to him being kind of that mentor, that shepherd for Shazam. Like it, it works tenfold for me troy are you are you feeling yeah. the the family freddie freeman here and billy batson yeah i like the kids i like the, well the two kids i like the um um obviously billy batson and the kid's name's freddie sorry it's been so long freddie um, freeman yeah yeah so that's his partner in crime i like him I, he kind of reminds me of like the character in uh flash um basically barry allen's like right hand man um i think his name is vibes his superhero's name is oh, vibes but yeah. the guy in the chair basically you know he, he's he's just like uh, in the chair yeah <laughs> he's like miles around. yeah you know what i mean yeah so uh no I, I like what he did there i i didn't care too much i'm sorry i'm one of the guys i didn't really care too much for the family dynamic especially oh, but family yeah well, well. I, hey, some, yeah man, some I love those kids are going through puberty guy. maybe <laughs> man they're good they're gonna grow in the next film yeah, they, I, coming I, I, of I, age it's funny because when they do age that's when it goes even more downhill for me but oh, um, no way carlos, carlos the um mary is it mary the one that you said that's yeah. cast she was cast kind of funny because she looks like she would have been one of the older ones so when they transitioned her to the next gap i was like that's really weird i didn't really understand that but for sure i love the chemistry between the two kids and um i don't know i'm coming from the era of like the goonies uh super eight 
Stranger Things, like the, the di- dynamic between all those kids is so cool and genuine. The Sandlot, man, like all that chemistry. So when I came to this movie, I'm expecting stuff like that, and it just fell a little flat for me across the board. So when yeah. you do compare it to that, I agree. Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not at that level by any means. Like this is <laughs> like this isn't Stranger Things. This isn't Goonies. This isn't yeah. Sandlot. Yeah. But there, there is elements in here. This is one of my favorite parts sure. of all this. Um, yeah in here and it's funny we'll get to a little bit later i i love that that family transition into shazam i thought that was so cool like i did not see that coming i had no idea there's more than one of them yeah (laughs) i'm like yeah i surprised i know it's spelt out for you i guess in the start (laughs) is there how many kids are there is there seven kids or six kids six kids so the seventh seventh seat is open i wonder who could take it I don't know. Are, are you, are, is there someone? Is Carlos here? <laughs> a, a little plucky uh, wrestler named Dwayne Johnson, perhaps. There you go. There's right in the middle. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really like that. Well, we'll get into that a little bit later, nice. but nice. I, I found that to be a, an interesting piece of it. Um, so, and it's not too long, you know. As as we get introduced to the family here, that dynamic, we really start to to understand the character Billy Bats. You know, he doesn't. He feels that he can he can you know grow up himself, take care of himself here. Wants really no part of this fantastic family. This very embracing family, um, you know, hands in right. So, or whatever they say, I can't remember. But it it's this kind of character, and that's the interesting build on it too. Like you mentioned, Carlos, is that I find that his transition into Shazam is almost just out of pure necessity. Like there's no, there's nothing about the character that speaks to you, the pure at heart, right? He bangs on about this, the pure at heart, you know, find me. Like, I don't care how long it takes. And we get to the end of the ropes. He's like, yeah, okay, this kid. And (laughs) he does show some endearing qualities there. He does stick up for Freddie at one point here, but he really likes taking off from stuff, like run away from the family, run away from that fight a bit after he kind of again mixes it up a little bit. So like they lean into that aspect that he does have the qualities maybe that are required out of this this heart of gold, but doesn't ever quite get there. And I, I I'm not that's I don't think that is a hit on the film. It's it's just an interesting I guess way that they go with this. And I I don't want I don't want him in any way to be like this altruistic like boy scout. I don't think we needed that. Um, this actually brings a bit better dynamic, especially when we transition into the adults into Zachary Levi here, when he kind of goes on the edge here, you know, buying beer, doing a few other things like I, that. That to me, I think is a better than him being you know I'm the superhero. I'm gonna you know go save people in the park and all this. It's it's a very interesting dynamic, and I like the fact that they have this character that, like you said, Carlos, is kind of a bit on the edge a bit more. You know, not the Boy Scout, but also he's not just like this kid that's going around graffitiing stuff and stealing and all that. Hey, yeah, he steals a little bit, but, you know, for a good cause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a weird balancing act that they had to try and do with them. So, yeah. Yeah. They, they had to, and I think using the family is the right way to do it right is that he's continuing to resist this resist this resist this and then it's eventually the family that brings him around to realize that he needs to act a certain way to not only protect him but also to embrace the fact that he's wanted somewhere um and so they use that as opposed to him i think internally coming to some sort of conclusion about himself right because there's a they don't really use the aspect of rejection from his mother in any real capacity other than towards the end of the film it's like that realization that pivot point for the character it's like okay my mom doesn't want me she never wanted me this these people do i'm gonna go save them type thing and so but again it's that rejection is leaned on a little bit as he's going through and crossing out names but it's never, I don't think, leveraged in a way that gives the character a huge push 
in one direction or another. Mm-hmm. But let's sit, let's get into to Shazam itself and the transition into this character. So eventually we find ourselves on the subway, this transition into the world of the wizard or whatever you want to call it. I always find that kind of cool. I like that aspect of it. It's just kind of shows up, everything around him disappears. And then boom, we have him transitioning into Shazam. And this is where Zachary Levi takes over here. Let's let's talk about Zachary Levi in the title role of Shazam and what he brings into this role. Like I said, this is big on steroids, big the Tom Hanks film. I'm talking about steroids. And there's also a nice <laughs> nod to the piano, right? In there to big, which I really liked. But Zachary Levi, Carlos, let's talk about this character a little bit, this this Shazam, the adult Shazam. Once we transition, you know, after he's given, you know, all the powers of the wizard and all that, Hercules and Solomon and Achilles and all those characters from Greek and Roman mythology. Zachary Levi, man, this character to me, he does a very, very good job in this role. He does a nice bridge between this adolescent kid getting these muscles, getting these powers, and also bringing on some a- the aspects of what I would consider kind of your more adult superhero. So what are your thoughts on Shazam? What are your thoughts on Zachary Levi in adult form here? Oh, I, I loved Zachary Levi as Shazam. And I, I thought he was perfectly cast. I had my doubts when mm-hmm. they first named him as being Shazam. But um, yeah, he, he nailed it. And his comedic timing was perfect. I thought yeah. he had great chemistry with Freddie. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was believable in that kind of fish out of water type uh, role that he had to take on where he's this kid in an adult body and trying to um, act a certain way so that he can pass as a bona fide adult and the lack of confidence at sometimes and then the over the top confidence at others was great. I thought he did a really good job. If I have a complaint, really liked Asher Angel as Billy Batson, really liked Zachary Levi as Shazam, but I never really got the sense that they were the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of felt like... Um, Billy was one dude and Shazam was another one and they might have shared some of the same motivations at times but they didn't really seem to share the same heart no um, agreed yeah and so that's that would be the small grape and I, I think that both actors did such a good job I think that's more a direction piece than it would be the actors like they're both doing what they think is right yeah. and um, it's the job of the people behind the scenes to kind of marry those two things together so Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I fully agree with you there. There's times where Zachary, Le- he's a very endearing guy mm-hmm. and he comes across in a certain way. And I agree with you that he seemed to have way more heart than the kid. Like yes. just his immediate investment in doing good. And I, he does play that, that kid in an adult body very well, but I agree. It's not the same kid that he transitions from by saying Shazam. Yeah. Yeah, there was like that kind of selfishness with the way that they constructed Billy that disappears when mm-hmm. he Shazam. But you'd think that a kid who's a bit selfish or has like a very specific motivation, given all this power in an adult body, that would be the laser focus that he'd be going to. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you played up on Billy being this kind of altruistic kid the whole time, then I think that Zachary Levi version would reflect that more yeah. they lean well, into it a little bit in the film like where he's kind of off doing his thing collecting money but it's later on and it almost comes a bit too late 
Yes. Like it's not at the onset where he's kind of off doing his own thing, ignoring his family, deciding that he's not going to go to school. They go through this and we'll get into this. You know, this was, you know, custom made for Troy here, this power of discovery montage. But <laughs> they uh, they go through all of this first and you see that bond grow between him and Freddie. And then it switches, which maybe you could have swapped something like that around or he comes off initially a bit more selfish you know, he's out there doing the right thing by protecting people, that woman. Yes, it is about the discovery of power, but there's some elements there that just, yeah, it's almost like some of the scenes are a bit backwards to me. Like he, he doesn't kind of just take off and say, I'm going to do my own thing now, now that I have all this power. It's like, well, let's, let's hang out with Freddie here, figure this out, have some time, save some people. Now I'm a bit more selfish. So yeah, I agree that they don't marry those two elements super well. Um, when transitioning here, at least at the onset. So, Sunny Man, Zachary Levi, some of the comments that were made by myself and and, and Carlos here. Let's see, let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, man, Zachary Levi. Uh, first getting to him, I thought he brought it. I thought he was hilarious. Um, reminded me, you know, in the movie Freaky Friday, when Jamie Lee Curtis has to pretend to be Lindsay Lohan. You know, like it totally to me felt like that. Like he was um, an adult. Like he had the powers, uh, you know, in the body of an adult, but he was still a kid at heart. And I know, like, um, you guys were saying, kind of, it didn't really fit with Billy Batson, but I would say, like, imagine you're a like 14 year old boy, and you've gone through like different homes, and then all of a sudden, like, something really strange or random happens, and then before you know it, you're in like a superhero cape, and you have superpowers, and you're a man. Of course you're going to act differently, right? Like, this is, like, total wish fulfillment. Like, this is... Who hasn't, when they were 8 to 10 years old, reading a comic book? Even now, like, reading a comic book, thinking, like, man, I really want to, like... I wish I could do that like Superman, or I wish I could do that like Batman. Right? Like, he finally... Like, he actually gets the superhero powers. And so, of course he's going to act differently. You know, it would be like if... Imagine if Billy Batson... You know, he's kind of mopey and he's kind of having like, you know, uh, and, and for good reason. Right. Uh, he's ha- he's had a hard life. Um, imagine if he wins the lottery, you know, he wouldn't still be like kind of that guy. He would be like happy. He would be excited. He would be buying like a Ferrari. He'd be doing all this shit. And so to me, like that's kind of showing like, yeah, he's excited, but he's got good reason to be excited. Like, man, you know, it'd be like. Imagine if, like, you guys got that powers, like, you would totally be, like, a different person. Like, not saying, like, talking about, like, the, like, good at heart and stuff like that, but, like, the way, like, his demeanor is and stuff. He's kind of, like, is this for real? Like, I'm invincible. I have super speed, super strength. Like, this is unbelievable. So, of course, and I love how, like, Zachary Levi, like, plays that up. So, for me, I thought that, like, totally fit within the story. Okay. Okay. I can buy into some of that. Do you like that assessment here? Bringing you know, that positive <laughs> spin to the to the character Troy, my dude. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Yeah, about man, this no, stuff? Um, Carlos, Tim, you guys summed it up. Um, you echo my thoughts basically. Uh, for me, it's a huge disconnect with this film. I felt like the kid um, was completely different. I'm just repeating what you guys said. He was completely different than what we got with Zachary Levi. I think Zachary Levi did a better portrayal of being a Billy Batson than the kid himself. And that's no shade against the kid. I thought the kid was fine. It's just, there was a major disconnect. It didn't feel like it was the same kid by any means. And I, I get what you're saying with the powers, but I would see it in a, in a flip. I would see it in a different way that Billy would actually be acting uh, different for worse than he would be acting for better. 
in the flip side from where he's coming from as a kid. So I thought it was a pretty big disconnect. Um, I don't know. Again, I I watched the show. No shame. I watched the show. Uh, this is us, and they do an incredible job from bridging the gap mm-hmm. from kids to man. teens to an adult. And here, all we needed was just from the teen to the adult, and they felt like completely different characters. I never bought it once at all that that was Billy Batson. But I did. I did uh, feel like both kids or both actors portrayed what they were meant to portray. But again, it's just that director that kind of failed to uh, have that synergy across the board for both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like, right. you Troy, mentioned- wouldn't you? Oh. Sorry, like Troy. Like, wouldn't you? Like, imagine, like, you know, your ten-year-old Troy. You're yeah, in your man. room. Yep. You, you may be having like a bad day or whatever, uh-huh. right? Like, maybe I don't know. Like, you, you, your basketball got deflated, or yeah. you know, um, your cat ran away. I don't know. Someone stuffed in my Kobe's, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. you're having like a shit day, and all of a sudden, this wizard comes at you, and it's like, Troy, I am impugning you with the powers of you know the shazam powers Mm -hmm. and then next thing you know boom you're you like you like x you're like your adult troy now but like like maybe like 10 percent more strength and like five percent more speed no inflatable Um, suit yeah (laughs) (laughs) like you would totally act differently you wouldn't you you still wouldn't be like oh man like my shoes you you'd be like this is unbelievable you'd be like flying you'd be like running around like going around the world like of course you're going to act differently. Like how, how could you not? Like if he still was kind of like mopey, mopey Billy, then that'd be, I think to me, that would be worse. Cause then it would be like, man, can't you ever be happy? <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, but I feel, I feel like he's even more optimistic than ever. And it's, it's just really weird. Cause then he goes back to being just regular Billy. Then he's back to being like mopey. It's just, I just don't see the transition kind of fall through there. Well, you know they, I mean? spend, they spend a ton of time. Well, not a ton of time, but they spend some time with exposition and showing you, the the hardship this kid's gone through which is a little mm-hmm. different than troy's deflating basketball right <laughs> you know, he spent like the better part of his life in 30 different moms like searching yeah. for these people and so like that's gonna take some time and like you think that the motivation right away should be how do i find my mom now i have all these powers right right because they, they hit on that so many times he takes off from how many family and he's always running away and the first thing he does when he gets to the powers is stay and talk to freddie yeah, I guess, yeah, it is the discovery and all that. But, mm-hmm. like, his first intuition on every single aspect of this, and they hit on this so many times, is run away. And he but doesn't do that. But he had already gone here. through the list of all the moms, right? So he had crossed out the last name. So for him, there was nowhere really else to go. Like, he didn't know that she, you know, he didn't know her maiden name or that she took his maiden name. So he was really out of options. And as he said, like... Freddie was the only one who knows anything about this Cape Crusader business. So he's kind of like the expert at this. So he's going to check with him and be like, all right, let's see kind of what I can do and let's figure this out together. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, fo- I understand what the movie was trying to do, but I don't think it aligns with the character. Like it's that fight or flight type thing. Right. And his has always been run. Like that is his, his first intuitive idea when it comes to any sort of hardship is take off right and you get put into a man's body (laughs) with a big red suit on yeah the first thing you're gonna do is like holy shit boom i'm out (laughs) i'm out done (laughs) and then come out how to pee in the thing well (laughs) it's really funny what they do with the stuff but it's almost like he should have took off and then slowly came back and then had this power of discovery uh, or this discovery power montage. It just seemed very quick. Like it was like he accepted the fact that he was a man. He had all this power. I, I don't know. It, maybe it's just 
timing of it all. And, you know, I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but because uh, I want to get to the next part, which I think is one of the better parts of the film. And it's this discovery montage. Like, it's a lot of fun. The work that Zachary Levi does and Freddie Freeman here, like, this is great chemistry. And I think one of you said at the top here, they, I think it was Carlos, said that, like, the chemistry between these two, you know, both Billy Batson and Zachary Levi's Shazam is great. This this whole discovery montage is one of the best parts of the film. This is what the trailer really heavily leaned into. And so we'd seen a lot of this stuff, but it was a lot of fun. You know, everything from them being in the warehouse, setting them on fire, viral videos, getting shot in the face, buying beer. Like, this is all really fun stuff and exactly what a kid would do eventually with this type of power set. Getting shot in the face and having your, you know, pseudo brother there tell him to shoot him in the face without you actually knowing. Bit of a risk. But nonetheless, I had a lot of fun with this. Like, Carlos, did you have did you have fun with this? Did you have fun with Zachary Levi in this space? Oh yeah, this was perfect. This was the ideal way to use that character in this scenario where you're this is where they really showcase what Shazam is all about. Little kid in an adult body. And I thought thought they did it brilliantly. I thought uh, Freddie was an awesome hook to the audience to kind of tether them and go through what this character is all about. I, I, total props to them for leaning into kind of current sensibilities and Freddie thinking of doing things like dumping him on YouTube and yeah. um, trying to promote him that way and like a bit of monetizing of the <laughs> the, the hero. <laughs> but yeah, no, I thought that this, I agree, this was by far the best part of the movie and... Uh, it was just the right length too. Yeah. Oftentimes they cut these montages a bit too short, but uh, yeah, this one was perfect. It was nice and meaty, and it's the best one I've seen since Rocky Three. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, and they give you so much information in such a fun way. Like instead of saying, you know, you were bulletproof and this and that and the other thing, it's just like it shows you a lot of the stuff in a real comedic way, mm-hmm. and it gives you a lot of exposition and it really frames out the character of Shazam from a power set, from a comic book perspective, almost in a, in a way that you're not just like slugged over the head with this type of stuff. Right. Um, and it's kind of all at once and you get this full idea of how powerful this character is. You know, you mentioned previously, you know, is, you know, the, the DC took the, the original creators to court because he shared a lot of similarities with, with Superman. Well, we get that, with the exception of some of the few a few things here, kind of right off the bat here, but they almost kind of like underhandedly introduce you to all this different stuff. And so later on, it's not like discovering it in a, in a convenient way through the battle with uh, Thaddeus here. Well, now he's bulletproof. Okay, now we understand that. So it's all established before we get into really any, any major confrontation with any sort of antagonist or villain. We know what this character is capable of, and there's some of that that grows through the film. But for the most part, this is kind of really introduced in, the, in this montage here. Now, Troy, you're a huge fan of yeah, montages. Man. Yeah. <laughs> did you <laughs> did you like this one? Well, honestly, I'm, I'm a big fan of montages, but I, I need you guys' help here. I need a refresher because it's just, it's honestly been that long. I remember the part where he's doing like the jump and he yeah. lands, which is obviously in the in the trailer. But what else is going on here? I think I totally totally forgot this whole sequence. Uh, well, go ahead, Sonny, take it. Yeah. All right. Well, like he's uh, he's testing himself. So he's got like the axe. He like hits his hand and the axe breaks. Um, He's shooting like the the textbooks, um, uh, blowing them up. He's uh, doing the um, transportation test or Mm -hmm. transportation test. And then Freddie actually sets him on fire to see if he's uh, fireproof. 
Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, they're like yeah, uploading yeah. it. Um, Zapped in America. <laughs> That's his YouTube name on, uh, on YouTube there. <laughs> and then there's a the whole scene in the uh, what a Seven Eleven or whatever you want to call it. Where oh yes. There's the robbery, and he gets shot a couple times by these random yeah. guys. Yeah. And he goes. I, and I like that part. I like yeah. that part. And then yeah. there's the time in the park too, where he discovers he has super speed. Where there's a woman getting mugged, and he goes right. over and like, and then super strength and like pushes the guy. So it, it's it's a there's lot some of fun. Comedic chops in there too, right? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Is is a nice time to or a moment for um for um Zach to uh, to shine basically in that role and really embody um his presence as being Shazam. So no, it, it's a good. It probably was. Yeah, I think this is the highlight of the film for me right here. Yeah. <laughs> you just yeah, like, stop it. it at there, and then well, it right would have been man. much more positive. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Just yeah. just from this point into Black Adam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the season finale right here. That's how you yeah. end the show. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. Sonny, you, you know, you've been expressing a lot of positivity towards this. You must love this scene. I hated this scene. Just <laughs> of course hated you did. Of course it. you did. Just <laughs> the worst. Ugh. End already. Um, no, man, I love it. And you got Queen playing in the background. So come on. Queen's always yeah, awesome. Um, I love the scene when he's saving the lady in the park and he's like, don't rob old ladies. And she's like, dude, we're the same age. Like, <laughs> <laughs> man, I laugh so hard at that part. And then. He's like, um, so I'll teach you to stay away from regular aged women. <laughs> just, just like, you know, he's just a kid, right? So like, he doesn't know. And then she's yeah. like, dude, we're the same age. And then she gives him the money. She's like, look, I don't know what's going on, but like, I didn't see anything. And then of course, leads him right to the liquor store. I love that part. Like he's just like the look of the cashier's face when he's like, uh, he's like, Oh, I would like some of your finest ale, please, or finest beer, please. Just like trying to play it off so cool. And then she's just like, just just think about like from her perspective. She's just like in this regular like job at like a 7-Eleven. She's like, what the hell is this guy wearing coming yeah. in? Oh, my God. Like, I, I thought that was brilliant. So, and, and yeah, and, and the uh, the montage set to Queen, of course, I, I love that as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you- yeah. Did you guys like the look of Shazam? The red suit, like, and I think Zachary Levi, in the process of making this, made a few jokes to the to the, to the tune of, you know, I'm gonna be jacked in this, and all. He's not a huge guy, but and this suit is definitely inflated in some capacity. But like, did you did you like the look, Sanjay, of the red, the big, you know? I remember when we were talking about this years ago from set videos and set footage and all that about the look. I remember seeing it for the first time in the mall him in this big red suit like did you dig the look of shazam yeah man like to me the thing that really sold it was once he like saw it in the movie you could see like the texture and see kind of how it looked and it kind of almost had a like a superman from man of steel vibe for me because it didn't feel like you know the classic like batman 89 suit or superman christopher reeves version um it definitely feels like that updated um, updated material, whatever they're using. And I love like the gold coins with the white cape and it's kind of like half. I would have liked him to use the hood. I like with like uh, Shazam has the hood on. I think that's really cool. But I can't remember him actually using the hood in any parts of the movie, but no. uh, maybe for the sequel, they could bring it in. But uh, to me, I, yeah, man, I, I dug it. Excellent. What about, what about here? When we get in the first confrontation, we have Thaddeus going up against a a more seasoned or a you know few minutes into his power set here, but in in action here, Carlos, what did you think of the suit and the overall look of it? I liked it. I thought he looked great in the suit. Like, yeah, there's 
there's a bit of padding in the suit um especially like the dc films like they tend to shoot these guys in actual costumes and stuff instead mm. of like the cg stuff after so and props to zachary levi like i saw a bunch of the training photos that he was posting on instagram and like you said he's not naturally a big guy but he got pretty jacked so mm. like henry cowell is huge but even he Massive has he's a, yeah even he has padding here and there in the man of steel suit to just get it looking right and have the light fall on it the right way so yeah no shade at zachary levi for having to do the same thing but i thought the design of the suit was cool um this is the one place that i will give props to david sandberg and the cinematographer is that they shot that red and white suit with a lighting effect in it phenomenally well because i know red is traditionally really hard to shoot and they seem to shy away from oh, it yeah. in superhero costumes all the time right so um that they had to shoot a fully red suit and did it without you know cheating and it's like ah it's maroon right Mm -hmm. um yeah i thought they did a good job of it and i thought he did he did what he could to be a bonafide superhero in that suit and uh yeah good on him man put in that work i think zachary lear really embraced the suit and i think that's why it works for me it's one of the more ridiculous looking suits that we've seen in modern comic book film at least when i say modern i say from 2008 forward but it works in the context of the film it works with Zachary Levi in that costume. And well, that's why it I is like the it. Suit, right? Exactly. So. And it, but it doesn't stick out to me. It doesn't stick out in any sense. Like I never once look at it other than maybe some of the CGI here we're going to talk about in a second and say, eh, that costume just doesn't fit what's, what's going on here. Did you, did you feel the same way, Troy, there? Did, did the costume work for you? Um, a little bit more than what I thought. I mean, from when I saw the uh, initial release of the costume, I wasn't too pleased with it. It's, it's comic accurate. Um, it looked better in the promotional, obviously, than it did um, live action. But it's tough because it's like that red, too. There's so much red going on here. But um, I think they did pretty good with what they had, especially because it's like a lighter film. And there's so much daytime shots, which yeah, is really hard to work sure. around. And, you know, and the texture of your suit is obviously a lot different than, like, the Flash. Because the Flash had, like, kind of, like, that mech armor almost look going on in the, the BVS kind of film and the Justice League. And, obviously, that's a darker film, too. So it was easier to get around. So I think, for the most part, I give them a lot of credit for what they did with the uh, the lightings that they had to use for the mm-hmm. costume. So it wasn't too bad. It did look very heavily padded as, a, as opposed to when you look at, like, the Man of Steel stuff or even um, um, Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah. This, by far, was the most padded-looking suit. But still, for the most part, um, like you mentioned, he rocked it. He owned it. You know, he had so much swagger going on with this costume mm-hmm. that he just really made it work. So his presence was felt throughout the film. And yeah, all in all, it worked for me. I would like to see a little bit of that injustice look going forward, at least. Uh, maybe if we get a little bit of a darker film, um, probably won't happen. But I guess if we had a team up film. Maybe we'll get that kind of look going on. So we'll what's see. That, what's that look? I didn't... Uh... I don't remember the injustice. Well, it's, it's it's basically the same, but the injustice tones are just darker. Oh, you know okay, I mean? yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. basically the same kind of look. I would like to see the hood up too, which would be kind of cool because I right? think injustice he has it up, I think a couple times. So yeah, and it's kind of like it's all ratted up too, right? Like the yeah, stuff in the hood. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, I think so. so that'd be pretty cool. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Now, you know, you mentioned the this suit in action here. Let's talk about the first confrontation that we do have here between our main antagonist, this Sylvan and uh or Sivan, sorry not Sylvan. He put an L in there. And and Billy Batson's Shazam here. Now it's coming off the back end of him making a bit of a mistake here. He catches this bus. You know, he seems pretty proud of himself. But then we have <clears throat> I guess 
Savant, maybe we missed a part here. Let's talk about, before we actually talk about it, let's talk about Mark Strong. <clears throat> and he's imbued with this power. He finally finds his way into the world of the Wizards. What's it actually called? The Rock of Eternity? Yeah, the Rock yes, of Eternity. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just rolls Wizarding his World is that other Warner Brothers property. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it is mentioned in this film actually. But Mark Strong in the role here as the main villain. So he he gets this power. He gets the seven deadly sins. He's been searching for this his whole life. Dedicated his whole life to getting a doctorate, to studying this, to getting to this one point. Man, damn one moment, man, one motivated dude here that he dedicated <laughs> so much of his life to getting revenge on his brother and his father. <laughs> so much so that he allows the seven deadly sins here to become all-consuming. He gets this thing right into the eyeball here. He becomes the villain. Now, Mark Strong here, he is kind of your typical bad guy, freak of the week in my opinion here. To be honest with you, I don't know how you do this film without a villain, but I may have preferred no villain in this film. <laughs> to be honest with you, I did not, did not like the seven deadly sins. Those felt like if you're talking about low budget CGI and this is when the film to me feels like a completely different thing. Like I kept thinking ghostbusters from the eighties when I'm looking at these things, Gozer and all this stuff, right? Like this stuff here is, and I, I get the lore and what you're trying to do, but why they lean so heavily into these CGI monsters. And you don't really even get much of a battle towards the end here. I, I don't like those. And Savon, I don't, to me, Mark Strong is just wooden through all this. Like he's just playing Mark Strong, bad guy, bald villain. Like <laughs> that's, that's what I'm getting off of this. Like I never, like I said, at the start, I never feel any sort of connection to the villain. I never really get what he's doing. I never get any sort of contextualization as to why this is so important to him that he has to find his way in to prove his brother and his like. There's really no interaction between that car scene at the start and him throwing his brother out the window. Like that, that's the two scenes you get. There's really nothing that builds this character. Like, do you try from a villain standpoint? <laughs> would you have just preferred that they had done something different here? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This this villain was the worst, worst villain I've seen in a very, very long time. Um, Sonny, you mentioned like the DCU has been wicked for villains. Honestly, I think they've mm -hmm. been nailing it. So I don't know how they dropped the ball so hard on this particular character, especially when you have Mark Strong. Mark Strong is like unbelievable. This guy was um, fantastic as Sinestro. He was cool in the Kingsman. I mean, I was raving for this guy to be Lex Luthor at one point. This guy is phenomenal. But what they did here was just awful um the director i have to give it to in the worst way because i don't understand if this guy has a background in horror films how did he make such terrible looking was it the seven sins yeah how, how, how did he screw that up so bad that that took me out of the film this is by far the worst part in the whole film for me um the whole this is the whole meeting sequence we're talking about right when he's in the, the meeting yeah top just of the, the tower the, basically our our we're thrusted into at the start. Yeah. This is the yeah. character motivation. And then yeah. boom, here's him kind of becoming the villain. Yeah. Yeah. It really didn't work for me at all, man. This, this made me hate the villain even more. So and not in a, in a way, cause he's like a bad guy just because I just wanted him off the screen as fast as possible. Yeah. This would have been great if it was just villainous, basically. Uh, 
didn't like it. Those those seven deadly sins were, I thought, just horrible. The fact that their mouths didn't even move when they're talking, and I know they're trying to do the whole telekinesis, but I've seen it done in a way, way better way than what they've done. Um, very poorly executed. The effects were downright awful. Man, I did not like this scene. It didn't jog with me well <laughs> at all. So, Sonny, please, convince me here. Why should I like this scene? Why should well, I like I, this movie? All Why ears, like all ears here, man. <laughs> all right, man. That's a lot of pressure. Did you just right? pop your pecs there, Troy, when you threw it to Sonny? <laughs> must pop her vein, man. This sucks. Yeah. Terrible. <laughs> Could you not be so intimidating when you say that next time? Uh, you know, You're uh, half a city apart, man. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's not Do enough. not cross the river. Yeah, <laughs> it's not enough when you got an angry Troy against you. Um, for me, um, the villain was serviceable. Uh, he did definitely didn't steal the show. And as you guys mentioned, there's been different, there's been better like villains in other movies. Um, to me, I thought it worked because like you think DC's kind of done this thing where they don't take like the most iconic villain against the hero in the first movie, right? The first movie is like to set up the origin of, so it's more about the hero. Um, think of Batman Begins with Scarecrow or Man of Steel with General Zod or Wonder Woman even with um, Dr. Poison and uh, Ares. And then you leave like Cheetah for the sequel or Joker or Lex Luthor. Um, for me, you had a guy that you could introduce, you know, kind of have similar power set. You can punch and smash each other. The Seven Deadly Sins, yeah, you know, the looks of them, there, there wasn't much going on. Like I would have preferred if they were a lot more unique or different. A lot of them seemed very similar, um, kind of like gray gargoyles, if you will. Um, but to me, when they were in action, like the boardroom scene, I thought was really good. Like, you know, I'm a big horror guy. And I thought that was actually a pretty scary scene. Like when you think about it, goes in, locks the door, throws the guy out of the room. There's like a scene where someone's like getting eaten. And uh, you see like the um, the reception guy, he's kind of like, hearing this noise and when he goes in and then he sees like these bodies being slammed up against the glass and stuff i thought that was effective um i thought that scene you know the scene worked for me i thought it was in fact i actually thought it may have been a little bit too extreme like i think if you're like you know under the age of eight that scene probably terrifies you right like you don't want to go too extreme because like the audience is definitely geared younger and so like if i had like a thing I might have like toned it down a little bit because you don't want to like give kids nightmares because then you don't get that repeat viewing, man. What parents are gonna take your kids back again and little Billy's peeing the bed? So <laughs> I actually uh, I thought it worked like for me going in as like a 30 year old man, like I, I thought it was like just the right amount, but seeing who the target audience is, I would even like pull it back a bit. And maybe that's kind of the discussion they had because like David Sandberg, you know, he did. Um, Annabelle and uh, which is actually in the movie you can see in the pawn shop Annabelle doll is that like one of the in that scene yeah Um, but uh, maybe they had that discussion they're like look you could go hog wild and make this thing terrifying and you know poop kids pants or you know you could maybe pull it back a bit and just make it more generic so maybe that's what the reasoning is but for me it was serviceable I'll say that I do definitely see more of your criticisms coming at the villain uh mark strong i'm hoping like the sequel when he has mr mind in them um will be like a little bit stronger yeah mark strong yeah, stronger oh, there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's 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 my rambling uh carlos take us home sweet 
Carlos, take us home. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I fall kind of right in the middle with it. I thought it was okay. Uh, I think the seven deadly sins were serviceable for what they are. And I do um, see where Sonny's coming out with that line yes. of thinking that they're just kind yes. of like background um, villain that was kind of, it was an efficient way to build a villain into the lore of the wizard Shazam and into the whole Billy getting imbued with his powers and then having to fight the opposite of what he's all about and stuff like that. Like, I think doing something like Black Adam, who is teased at in this movie as well, um, would be a bit too dense to go for a first movie. So that was definitely smart. But I think it goes back to kind of those things that we were talking about at the start. If you had a better setup for Dr. Savannah and uh, what his motivations were and not this kind of obtuse family dynamic thing going on. Um, and then he gets imbued with the seven deadly sins like they kind of played on the fact that he was looking for some form of acceptance and the yeah. seven deadly sins were the only thing that would accept him. And it's like, okay, but I think you would have needed to spend more time with the kid version of him or mm -hmm. do something better at the front end. So then the character would have been stronger all the way through. Right. Um, and like, maybe you make him a bit sympathetic or maybe you make him just totally evil. Yeah. And that's why the seven deadly sins were gravitating towards him. But because he was kind of in this weird, awkward place. Like, it kind of undermined everything with them. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the CG goes, it was, like, it was okay. Like, smoke monster type of thing. It's the the nemesis of all comic movies, right? When you <laughs> decide to go that route. But, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and it's, it was okay. You know, it's interesting you say that about the development of the character. Like, if they had, a, had shown him on the board and him getting ridiculed out of the room, right? Mm -hmm. And just something that isn't just like car to brother and like the goal of this whole thing with envy towards the end which i never noticed wasn't out and then it's like what's he envious about like what is it that he's looking for like i get its acceptance but whose acceptance his father's they never ever play on that as an adult yeah. right like and to me you get rid of these seven deadly sins until maybe the end if you want to chuck them out as cannon fodder for a whole the whole team shazam and just have them beat the shit out of them at some point. You don't need these characters in, in this room. To me, you undermine the power of, of Thaddeus by having these giant monsters in the room with him doing all his dirty work. Like, yeah. let's let's make this character seem very imposing. So when he goes up against Shazam, which we just saw go through, he's bulletproof, he's super fast, he can fly, he can do this. Let's show how powerful this character is and have him take out even have him take out all the security guards before getting into that, you know, have him established on the board before that. So we understand the connection as to why he's going in there. Like I had no clue that that was his brother until he says it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's just, there's not enough there for the villain. I don't think. And I think that's something that we generally all agree on that more on the villain would have helped this film a lot. And you take away the seven deadly sins and you give him more work to do on his own. But yeah, he he just kind of came off petty, right? Which yeah, undermined yeah. The, whole, the whole shtick. Exactly. So let's let's get to this first confrontation here. This is the first time we're seeing a powered-up Savannah, and I think I finally said that right, and Shazam here. You know, this, to me, it's okay. It's the, kind of that middle action set piece. We didn't really have a big one at the start, but this is our first introduction to him, Shazam, by when I say him, going up against someone with a relatively similar power set. Um, they're both 
pretty new to the power set and kind of in that juvenile stage of discovery. He's played off as a bit more of someone that has had this power a bit longer, a bit more familiar with the set. But this punchy, punchy thing, I don't know if it was on purpose, but it felt a lot like Man of Steel to me. Them kind of like just chucking stuff at each other, flying through buildings. I, I don't know. It was, I, I, you guys use the word serviceable. To me, it got me from A to B and showed a bit of the dynamic and a bit more of the power set of Savannah and how this eventual final confrontation was going to go. But I think there's more effective ways to show Savannah's power set. This, maybe, I'm not sure. Sonny, I'm gonna let you shine a little bit of that positivity on this first, and then we'll, <laughs> we'll shove it around the table to see if how the guys feel about it. And then we'll it. knock it down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just taking a step back, uh, Zachary Levi, I thought, one of the underrated scenes was when he's singing the Rocky theme with the lightning hands. Yeah. That then he's yeah. been causes the bus crash. Like lightning, lightning with my hands, gold. Um, and then when like the bus is bus is crashing and he was just like he puts the mattress down and he was just like fall on the mattress and the the bus driver or the bus passenger is like what the hell man like no that's not gonna work. I thought that was funny. Um, but then it sets up this fight scene and you know I actually thought this fight scene you know spills out into the mall. Um, I thought it was pretty good. You know, you get to see Savannah who, you know, is older. He's more mature. He's got this power set. He knows how to use it. And then you got Billy who's just kind of in it for himself. And, you know, I think they do a good job, you know, setting up how Billy gets creamed by Savannah, right? Like it's really no contest. And then it sets it up later that like Billy, he could have just, as you said, he's used to running. Um, He's been running his whole life. He could have just ran away. Um, he had no reason to come back. He, he could have just said like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to run away. This guy is too much power for me. I'm in way over my head. And it kind of forces Billy to like make that change to where he does have to then come back and then like save his family. So I thought that was like a nice way to set that up that, you know, show some growth in the character. Um, the fight itself. Yeah, man. Like it's in the mall. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, when he's like throwing the Batman figure at him, that was like, good. The, I liked that. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "Get him, Batman!" And you I'm see Batman. like all the all the action figures like in the background. That's been a DC those... shop because there's only DC DC merch. Yeah. In there. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think those are like the legit like Justice League action figures or like the BVS ones because I was like looking at them. They're like the same packaging. It's and I even noticed, like, some of, like... <laughs> go around. Yeah. Lex Luthor's as far as the eye could see. Hey, man, I have a Luthor faker. I got it from Superstar. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, the, uh, oh, yeah, even, like, Freddy's T-shirts. I think I had, like, the Wonder Woman one he wears and stuff like that. So I think they actually use, like, legit merchandise for this. But, uh, yeah, man, I thought the fight was good to see, like, the power differential and how, you know, how Savannah... Savannah is just like so much more. But he had his powers uh, for like ten minutes longer than Shazam. Like I would have liked if they showed him like being like a bit uncertain as to what was going on too. Like he always just comes off like, like the... so confident. It's like, dude, you've had you've had these power. Like we just went through a whole montage. Yeah, I get it's a kid, but I mean this guy's been studying this his whole life. But it just seemed very convenient to me. We should have had a Savannah montage set to like a dark song where he's just like doing the same thing, but it's like the opposite where he's just like beating people up. Just having him (laughs) screw up a little bit here. Right. And just be a little uncertain on this first fight scene. And you mentioned the kind of running away thing. Like he literally runs away at the end of this, like he shazams and takes off. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but uh, Carlos, this this first major fight scene that we get here between Savannah and and Shazam here, go. It, it was okay. Like it was it was fine. It was uh, it served its purpose to kind of move the characters forward. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the dichotomy between the two, I think it was just the case of Savannah embracing the powers and Billy yeah. being kind of reluctant about them and. Uh, Savannah's overconfidence allowing him to get the upper hand. I did really like parts of it, like when they go flying up in the air and uh, Shazam learns that he can fly for the first time mm-hmm. because he gets dropped and he stops just short of the road and whatnot. And so moments like that were great and a way to flesh out um, mm-hmm. the rest of the things that we didn't see as far as what his power set was and uh, what he's ultimately going to be able to do and whatnot. But uh yeah, it, it was good. It it had an efficiency to it. I don't think it was anything special. Um, and it certainly felt a, a bit small, ironically, for the scene that has the big reference in it. But uh, <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> All right. Try my man. Yeah, man. Round out this this conversation here before we start to kind of get a yeah. bit towards this, this final battle and, and really wrapping up this film here. Yeah, no, I'm kind of uh, side with Carlos the most on this one. It was okay. Uh, for the most part, it's pretty forgettable, this whole fight scene. Um, in an era now with superhero films, when you got scenes like Far From Home, the Mysterio scene, even Harley Quinn's beanbag scene, and uh, Birds of Prey, mm-hmm. and Guardians of the Galaxy fight scenes, the airport scenes, like all these scenes are so cool and bombastic, even when you bring them small scale. For this one, it just got lost in the sauce for me. It was It's just very forgettable. But it wasn't horrible. It just didn't do much for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I think you're right, Carlos, in the, in the point. It gets you from one point of the film to the next. Yeah. It gets that first real punch with the, the main villain here, that first interaction of the two of them, and it drives some of the, you know, what is the eventual motivation and that antagonism between the two characters as we kind of roll into the final part here where we do have Savannah trying to understand and finally understanding who this guy is. It's a kid, Billy Batson. Freddy's there. Again, a bit of convenience in the fact where he ends up at the end of the battle staring face-to-face with, with Freddie Freeman here. And then this is how we end up in the place we do where Savannah takes his siblings or his soon-to-be siblings, the foster siblings maybe, is the best term to use, hostage here. And this is really what drives the motivation of Billy towards becoming and embracing the superhero that is Shazam when he finds out, you know, that his mother really never wanted him either. And he embraces that idea that this is his family. These are the people that want him. And I think this ties nicely back to the the first part of the film there where we do have all that family interaction. I, I This is believable to me that at this point when Billy gets that closure on his mom, that he actually flips here and says, no, this is my true family and this is what I have to do. I really like that. And I really like him jumping off the roof. That's a very cool scene that we saw in the trailer, like that Shazam off the roof, boom, and away he goes. I think that's a great transition for the character. And I like like the character work that's done in this slightly quieter moment because it's interesting, the structure of this film. And I did just watch this a couple, like over twice over the last two days. And it seems like the back end and the action is kind of compressed in the back third of the movie that your final act is where much of the confrontation and that we don't have that initial, what we're used to in the film, this kind of build up the failure 
and then kind of this is almost like a running start where we get all of that happening in the back end, the final act of the film. And we kind of get to ourselves where we have this this big final confrontation where he's trying to save his family. We end up back in the the Rock of Eternity. There's some interesting scenes there. And then we get to the, the big final battle here. Now, I don't want to cut short the discussion here by any means, but let, let's get let's get your thoughts, Carlos, here on kind of the build up to the final battle and then your thoughts on the final battle here itself here, kind of stopping just short of when we get Team Shazam revealed here. Yeah, actually, to expand on your point, quite frankly, like the pacing mm-hmm. was very 80s action movie where it's mm-hmm. like we have a finite amount of money and we have a finite amount of blood squibs. So <laughs> let's do all this setup and then have our big, uh, big shebang at the end of it. Uh, to be honest, like I, I've said a bunch of times on the show, like I'm a character first type of guy. And this is where the movie really shone for me was that scene when he goes to the mom's new apartment. You get a, like I thought it was brilliantly executed with just the talk with the new husband boyfriend guy in the background setting up what her reality is um that informing billy uh the significance of the compass and the the other things that he got from the carnival uh coming to him the line about always being able to find her and learning that she never wanted him to find um her at all was brilliantly done and like very heartbreaking to be honest with you to Mm -hmm. see this kid who has dedicated his whole life to finding his mom only to be told that, yeah, no, I didn't lose you. I got rid of you kind of thing. And then uh, him having that realization that he needs to embrace the family that's been put in front of him and go save them kind of thing. I, I thought it was, quite frankly, it was excellent. Like, I really liked all this stuff. Yeah, I thought some of the character work from the kids uh, who had been taken hostage, um, particularly, like, just little moments from Pedro and Mary really started <clears throat> to flesh those characters out and... Uh, build them a bit more. Darla was awesome. Like I have a yeah, soft. Yeah, she's great. Oh yeah, she reminds me of like my kids. So, she's <laughs> she's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I I thought it was I thought it was good. Um, th- like the the Rock of Eternity stuff was really cool too. The kids kind of left to their own devices and using their wits a bit and opening up those doors and some glimpses into the deep cuts of the Shazam lore were neat. Yeah, I, I, this is this is where the movie really started to uh, sell itself to me for sure. Mm-hmm. About those crocodile men, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that one in particular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those kids are, are very. I agree. I liked all the kids stuff and all that, but they're very okay with being captured by giant monsters. Sunny <laughs> <laughs> man, up to this yeah. point, you know, we're we're getting kind of that revisiting of the family dynamic. We are coming back really to the scene of the crime. This is a nice full circle for the character of Billy. You know, his life changed at a carnival at the start and it's changing again at the end here, or at least midpoint in his life, wherever he is in his life here. Two big instances at a carnival. So it's kind of a nice toss back here. How you feeling about this point? And then we're going to get into the final battle here in a second. Yeah, man. Um, so he goes to see his mom. His mom's apartment is uh, number 707. So there's the uh, seven motif again. Yeah, um, I really thought that scene was so impactful because you're like, he finally gets to meet his mom and you're thinking, man, like he's going to see his mom and she's going to accept him, you know, like take him, not take him back, but like they finally are like reunited. And then that gut punch when you realize that like, no, it was like 
she left him, as, as you said. And then I love how they go back and replay the events that, like, at the beginning when Billy's thinking of the events and it's like this loving moment when his mom's like smiling and laughing and, you know, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm not exactly trying. I'm not exactly going pro here, kid. And then at the, and then when it's like from her point of view, when it was just like, everything is flipped where she's just like in this terrible mood and, you know, and just like, just everything about it. Like it's less bright even. And I thought that was excellent. The way that they played those two scenes where, you know, he had built it up over his mind. Um, and the kids, I can't believe I ha- I've gone this long without mentioning Darla. I thought she was, like, the mm-hmm. best kid. Like, she was super cute. And, like, I just want to, like, squeeze her because, like, she was so cute. Like, when they're going to the school and she's like, you may think, like, what, oh, there's so many people here um, that could be scary. But just think of them as, as new friends. And, wow, so many, or, yeah, so many new friends and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> just so cute. Like, I was like, man, like, she is, she's precious. And, uh so I thought like she was excellent and you know, I like the scene where um, they're escaping the rock of eternity and then they go into the strip club and then Billy's just, and like, that's the one thing you thought of. And they're kind of chastising him. I thought that was great. And then Freddie comes um, out a couple, few seconds later. <laughs> yeah. He's got like all the sparkles on him and dollars like, wow, can we get sparkles? And Mary's just like, so disappointed. I thought, I thought that was excellent. And again, like that could be like, I, I know some people brought that scene up as being like, you know, does it really belong in like a, in a movie geared to kids? But I thought it was like done in a way that it wasn't like gratuitous at all. You know, like kids probably wouldn't even get the joke. It's one of those ones that would just fly over their head. Whereas adults are laughing. So when pops for them for planting the seed that Pedro was gay. Yeah. And he's like, ah, it's not my thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I thought that was excellent as well. Yeah. And to be honest with you, uh, whatever, 12, 15, I don't know how he's supposed to be 14 year old kid. I think, yeah, he gets this. He's gonna go into a strip club. <laughs> let's let's yeah. be honest here, guys. Yeah, <laughs> great. Um, and then, like as you said, he go back to the carnival um, before they turn into the family. Um, you know, he gets thrown in that booth, and then there's that like scared girl with her dad, and then he gives her the tiger. You know, the tiger that he always wanted that his mom was trying to mm. win for him that day. So I thought that was really cool. You know, maybe they're sowing the seeds for Talking Tawny. Um, one can only hope. Uh, anamorphic tiger who's uh talking he's he's kind of like the kellogg's guy um <laughs> but but i i really want him like Jeez. you know this is one thing that we mentioned that tim mentioned like the absurdity of shazam and how like his next big bad is an inchworm that's one thing that they really like delved into with this you know like they could have shied away and tried to make it like i don't want to say cooler but like more modern but they kind of just like said like these, this is Shazam, and this is his lore. Like they could have changed his villain from an inch, inchworm to like, I don't know, like a big scary ass spider or something. But they, they kept it. Um, so I thought that was cool. And you know, talking Tawny for the sequel, please. Um, but besides that, yeah, like up until that point, to the Philadelphia where Santa Claus is running, he's like, I, I thought that was a great like recurring gag. Um, <laughs> but yeah, up until the big final battle, I'm with Carlos. Like this is like the heart of the movie and. It's very character driven and it's very emotional. Um, and that's kind of like what separates. I don't know if like if it's because like the humor and then like you, you're like in this like high and then you get taken down to this low with his with his mom. Um, but I thought, you know, I thought like the, the character parts, man, that was like the, the meat of the story. And then you got that like Dark Knight Returns moment where he jumps off the side of the building with the lightning and then he like flies away. Psh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent cool. stuff. 
and it, this being the heart of film, this is where they put a lot of the effort. This is where the writing shines to me. Like a mm-hmm. lot of this stuff that they set up earlier, it really comes full circle here. Like there's a lot of really nice parallels to what they started with. And it ties up a lot of the seeds that they left kind of dangling throughout this film. It gives a lot of closure. And I think it's written really well. It's paced really well. And it gives you that kind of emotional pull that you're looking for in this film. Um, Troy, up until this point, like, do you agree with some of the, the discussion around the table with regards to how this nicely ties up some of those character arcs or at least gives us some sort of, um, you know, reconciliation for what we've seen in the past, some resolution, if you will, to some of the elements that were seen earlier on the film? Oh, boy. I, to be honest, it's been so long. This is all just a blur to me <laughs> at this point. But, um, no, I agree with Carlos about the, uh, with the characters. Uh, the characters are what shine, basically, uh, through these moments, um, which is fine. For me, I'm a little more story-driven over character, but, you know, the characters are fine here. This is where the heart basically shines the most throughout the whole film. Uh, the Frank Miller moment's probably one of the coolest parts going after the montage scene. That's probably my, my next favorite scene. So I thought that was pretty neat, the Dark Knight Rises, like, a uh, little moment. That was great. Um, the mom reveal didn't really do much for me. Uh, I thought that was kind of weird, to be honest. Heartless. Going after kids and now going after moms. Well, no, I mean, I didn't like the mom for doing it, but I just thought it was like, okay, like, all right, that's what you want to do the whole time. All right, go there. Um, some some factors are pretty cheesy just from what I remember. But again, I just don't have enough to go off of because that movie <laughs> is long in the vault in the back of my brain. So, um, yeah, man. I'll let you just guys. Just got to get you hyped. You're going to plunk down that five bucks tonight. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Gotta let... keep the DC tradition of having mom issues and yeah, dad issues. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's yeah, right. your villain has major dad issues. So <laughs> let, let's drive this thing home. We got we got one final battle here that I'm going to tag with a word that's been used a few times in this review. Okay. <laughs> wow! Really. To do, do you honest with you, the best team get cut off like before the end battle. Though the best part of this end battle to me, like it's fine, it's it's serviceable. I think is another word that we've used a few times here. Nothing like I watched this movie twice in the last two days, and I can't really even think a whole bunch. Like I don't remember a whole bunch about it. I do like the Team Shazam thing. Like that, I had no idea that was coming, and maybe that was telegraphed earlier on in the film. I don't know, but. I, I like that reveal. There's a few character actors in there that I like too. There's the one kid from uh, 13 Reasons Why and Riverdale on that. And there's uh, – I th- what's uh, Freddie Freeman's that guy? I don't know. Anyway, Adam yeah, Brody. that kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah I thought man. it was him, and I was like, I don't think that's him. But then I looked at the credits, and it was him. Yeah. Justice so, League Mortal, man. They brought him two characters from that, right? Oh, really? Seriously? Adam Brody, who's supposed to be Flash, and uh, DJ Controna, who is supposed to be Superman. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. There you so go. So they need to get Nicolas Cage in there and uh... <laughs> Army Hammer. Army Hammer. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I, 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 I thought it was it was that part was fun to me. I like seeing, especially Darla, like the character or the actress, the older actress playing her. And well, Megan's good. Yeah, just yeah. that pure innocence. Yeah. Like I really like that aspect of it, and that they brought them. I presume they all have the power set now and i guess that are sitting in those seats but the end battle it doesn't like that's what sticks out to me you know the fighting of the seven deadly sins and envy and all that popping out of 
Mark Strong and kind of like the, the best part is that Team Shazam and then him faking out about putting the thing in his head. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's what that's what sticks out to me in this. And I think the Seven Deadly Sins are just pure cannon fodder because they wanted to do this Team Shazam reveal. That 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 gives them something to do at the end of this film and why I think honestly you could have had Mark Strong through the whole thing and then just had these things pop out. You introduce them at the start in the as the statues. We kind of get the concept of it. This is like him saying, "Okay, you have these people. Here are my dudes," mm-hmm. and just using that as just cannon fodder for them to punch up a bit, explore some of the power sets. So yeah, okay for me. The best part was the kind of the family coming together and you know grabbing that that stick and becoming Shazams. <laughs> or whatever i don't know <laughs> that but uh let's 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 toss it over to you troy here let's wrap this thing up how you feeling about how yeah. this movie kind of comes to the conclusion then we'll just just talk break quite briefly on uh what i'll call the pre-credit scene a uh, little teaser that we right got. right yeah no i'm with you it was okay um definitely didn't see the whole um um shazam clan coming out there that was that was something else that was different definitely didn't expect that um Cool way to sell more toys if they did. Actually, I don't know if they even made. I think they only made the blue one and the green one. I don't think I even saw the other. The other I ones saw on the shelves. they weren't like the um the super nice collectible ones. They were like the ones for kids. So like I did see oh. a Darla. And, no way. Uh, I did. I think I saw Mary Marvel, but I'm not sure. Nice. I'd have to double check. But definitely like the like the nicer ones. They definitely didn't make. I, I think they only made Shazam and Doctor Savannah, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, like the multiverse ones. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The red box or the blue box, but um, yeah, no, it it was it was it was okay. It was okay. It didn't <laughs> blow my mind. <laughs> I mean, this this is the end battle scene, man. I mean, come on, you got to go hard, and um, they they definitely didn't. Um, a lot of padded suits for sure came out of the woodwork. Um, yeah, sorry guys, that's that's all I got. Um, man, that montage scene though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sonny. Yeah. I'm going to ask yeah, you to but... sit on this one for a second because I'm going to bring Carlos's opinion into this before we give you a bit of a platform. So, Carlos. You know what? I loved it. Asterisk. And the asterisk <laughs> we'll get into during final thoughts or whatever. But I thought it was cool. Like, it, it wasn't as big and bombastic and as mind-blowing as some of the things that we see in bigger budget comic book movies. But what it did have was a ton of originality and it was a lot of fun in it, too. Like, the scene with Savannah and... Um, Shazam facing off against each other and Savannah's giving that was big good. Machiavellian speech and <laughs> Billy can't hear any of it or even just little things like Eugene doing a Hadouken as he's like playing oh, yeah, with his powers also good. Oh, yeah, using the yeah, lightning yeah. stuff and, yeah. and like you hit the nail on the head with um, Megan Good as Darla like that's what I wanted to see where it's just like this adult is truly a, a little child yeah. Uh, in the mind's eye, Mary Marvel. This is where it was super weird because the actress that played the older Mary Marvel didn't look that much older than <laughs> the actress playing <laughs> the girl sitting at the dinner table. So yeah. um, that was whatever. But like overall, it had like a ton of cute little playful moments in it, and they really leaned into the wonder of these kids having those powers. So I give them props for that. I thought it was kind of fun and. Um, I thought you got to see the little seeds that they planted for what these kids are all about really come to the forefront, right? Like Freddie fully embraces his powers and um, Pedro, he kind of comes out of himself a little bit because he's emboldened that now he's this big, strong dude and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I really liked it. But like I said, there's a there's an asterisk on that. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, interesting. All right, Sonny, man. Yeah. What do you got to say about this last scene? Oh, man, like as Kyle said, um, fun is the name of the game in here. They're in a funival. Um, it is it is so good. Um, the scene, like there's some scenes that really stand out for me that are just like little moments that just um, accentuate just how good and how much fun this final battle was for me. Uh, like when Billy is like, okay, guys, like hands in the middle and then they're like all holding the staff and he's like, say my name. And then you're expecting them to all say Shazam and they go, Billy. Right, like they wouldn't know his name. I, I laughed really hard at that part, um, or or the part with uh, Mary shooting the BB gun, trying to take out his eye, like a little nod to a Christmas story. I thought that was good. <laughs> um, and, and like this, yeah, the seven deadly sins. They were there. They were there to get their butt kicked, um, and it worked. And I think you mentioned him that um, I think now I could be mistaken, but the Shazam characters, they each only have one of his powers. Okay. So like Darla's super fast. Um, Freddie can fly. I think Pedro's super strong. Uh, Eugene has like the lightning manipulation, but I could be mistaken on that, but that's my takeaway. Um, if, yeah, if they, I'm... they all have all of the powers, but each of them, none of them are as strong or none of them have the full level of the power set that mm -hmm. Billy does as being the primary one, but each of them has one of them that's enhanced beyond the other one. So yeah, like Darla is super fast. She can do a bit of the other stuff, but um, it's all compensated for, so it's all relevant. So uh, Pedro is super strong, but he wouldn't be as fast or as gotcha. efficient. The is is Billy depowered, or is he still keep all of his, like he's still just as strong? Yeah, it's, shared. Yeah. it's inconsistent, because okay. it used to be that it was shared, which is how I kind of like it, because, like, the Shazamly is super OP. Shazamly, okay, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> if they're all sharing the same power set and at the same level, mm -hmm. whereas, like, if Billy's diminished and they're all just kind of um, reduced versions, but the benefit is having the team, uh, I prefer that. Like, I, I like a bit of fallibility and stuff, but I don't know. I'm also the guy that... Loves Daredevil getting his ass kicked and ending up in a confessional <laughs> talking to his priests. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Like uh, as you mentioned, like it was fun. Um, and then the ending, I thought was super heartwarming when he finally like says like hands in the middle, and you know he should, realizes. That... Should he have said that? Did he say that when he asked everyone to touch the stick? Yeah, he did say hands in the middle. Yeah. Or isn't it okay. all hands on deck? Oh, yeah, all hands on deck. Yeah, I can't remember. Like, whatever the saying was, I yeah. thought he okay, said he that. Okay, he did say yeah. that. I was going to say that yeah. seemed like a real missed opportunity if he didn't. Because I don't – again, I just watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, no, for me it worked. Um, and I, I love the setting of it. As I mentioned, like, you know, I'm a sucker for Christmas movies and this and Batman Returns. And I guess you could throw Iron Man 3 in there a little bit. Iron Man 3, man. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, Christmas yeah. movie yeah. through and through. Yeah, man. I mean – it's the worst one, but it's still one. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do a ranking here, but it's, uh, we'll see. <laughs> All right, I mean, guys. I mean, yeah, like, it's like it's like Iron Man 3 and a He-Man Christmas special. They're like one, two. <laughs> Jeez. Holy moly. Right in between the Star Wars ho holiday special. a different special. battle about to pop off here. <laughs> um, let's, let's, let's take this review home here, guys. I'm going to ask each of you to give your input, but also to comment just briefly on the pre credit scene where we do have a nice surprise here. We get kind of a an ongoing thread throughout the film of, of Freddy and him being a bit bullied here and you know saying that he's good friends with, with Shazam. And then we get 
a cameo that I really didn't expect and was interesting. Like I'd heard that he was in this capacity and that being Superman here. Um, but I didn't realize it was in this scene. And so I found myself even knowing that that was coming. I found myself still surprised by it. Um, a headless Superman. <laughs> at that, <but laughs> I think a nice cameo through and through here. So let's, let's walk this around the table. I'm going to throw it to you first, Carlos, and then we'll go to Troy or then we'll go to myself and then Troy and then Sanjay. We'll, we'll let these two battle it out at the end here. So we're doing final thoughts and the, the pre-credit scene. Can yeah. we do the um, other credit scene as well? I'd, there's another one. There's another one. There's three credit scenes. Yeah. There's a Superman one, the Mr. Mind. And then at the end of the credits, uh, where they're doing one more power check. Oh, I did, did not see, see the second one. I saw the second one. Oh, okay. okay. Well, well, you okay. spit on that a little bit. Or anyone All right, well, Carlos, you that. can spit on it too. Go ahead. If you've seen it, which I think you have. Yeah, the other two were cool. I'll, I'll just focus. Like, I I totally loved yeah. that, that <laughs> first one. And it's like, my kid is such a huge Superman fan. Like, and we saw it opening night. We didn't go to the screening like Sonny did. And hearing rumblings about it, that was the one thing I asked Sunny. I was like, "Boil this for me," because I just I, I wanted to just focus on on her reaction, and it was amazing kind of thing right. to mm-hmm. to see that play out. And I love the way they did it. I know there was a lot of like lamenting and rending of garments over the <laughs> the Superman being headless. I thought it worked better than had they had Henry Cavill walk in because that scene is all about yeah. Freddie and the family. So to just have that, that Superman showing up is something that Billy and the family did for Freddy works way better. Whereas if Henry Cavill comes in or if he talks to them or does whatever, then it becomes about Superman as opposed to mm-hmm. um, being a little bow on the movie that you set up. So I, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a perfect way to bring that that movie to a close. And um yeah, I loved it. And as far as final thoughts go, like here's where the asterisks come in. I I do really like this movie, but the one thing that I can't get over that it kind of takes a tumble into my back half of the eight DC EU movies, uh, it's in that kind of five spot. Is like, man, this movie is kind of it's kind of ugly. Like it's got this weird kind of gray washed out. Like honestly, it felt like a Canadian TV program just the, the look to it like there's always something like, about canadian tv i agree yeah so you know our listeners here at home like you'll know exactly what i'm talking about but like it had this ctv cbc stink to it that i just i can't abide by like yeah. the place it gets huge points it like there's an artistry and a look and a refinement to even movies in the dcu that i like far less than i like shazam and shazam kills it as far as the character stuff goes um but just that look it kind of puts it in that same ballpark where it's like you got to have you got to come to the to the game with both pieces ready to go and just yeah that and like the lack of a impressive score and whatnot it just yeah like i like it it's great absolutely worth the watch but uh yeah don't don't be expecting like a really refined comic book movie, in my yeah. opinion, at least. Do you yeah. have a rating out of ten? Do you have one, the, or even out of five, out of seven, whatever you want. Yeah, I, I usually use like the the ten scale, so it would be like a seven, seven, seven and a half. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I'm. It's interesting because I found myself at times really enjoying this film, and other times being like, "What am I watching right now?" And that 
kind of roller coaster experience, I'd say at the end of the day, I would give this, yeah, sure, a, a recommend. Um, with the caveat that the standout parts for me, being the characters, the kids, the family dynamic, Zachary Levi, of course, that a- aspect of it is really well done, like really well written with regards to some of the character development here. I would have preferred if they had almost taken the villain right out of this film. I think that that really weighs down this for me. They, or if they just had to construct it in a way that made me understand the villain a bit better, that not so much this freak of the week type of character, and just gave him a bit of, I don't know, something that I could either sympathize with or hate or really cheer against. There was none of that for me in this. And I find that they feel like, like I said at the start, two different films. Like you've got this great character film with Shazam, the kids, all this, the way that Zachary Levi tackles the the character of Shazam. And then you've got this Savannah thing with the seven deadly sins that feel like like CGI out of the 80s, like I said, out of the Ghostbusters. And you got this whole other thing going on and they almost feel like they're just two separate things. Like I keep getting like this like Green Lantern vibe off this in some aspects of it and not in a good way and it just seems like they don't nothing like the strength of writing in the in the and the protagonist and the family and that is not even close to what you get for the villain and that that to me where it really really suffers and the film itself suffers for that so yeah it's a recommend i don't know if i'd throw a seven on this maybe a six for me um and it kind of sits, yeah, mid-range, I think, in the DC Extended Universe for me. Um, it's worth a watch. There's enough bright moments in this and enough levity to it that you'll get a few good laughs. And, again, like I said, I, I really enjoyed the subtle ties to the DC Extended Universe as well. And Freddie Freeman, man, he's a standout for me. So, for me, that character in itself is almost worth a watch. So, um, that's it for me. All right, guys. We're going to wrap this thing up with Team Sanjay, Team Troy. Like, this is something that we've had going on for a while here. So, I'm, I'm going to throw it to Troy first here, man. Yeah, man. Team Troy. Yes, sir. How you feel about your, your final thoughts here? Uh, comments on some of these credit scenes if you'd like. But let, let's yeah. hear what you have to say about, about Shazam. Yeah, well, you know, I'll start off with a positive note. So, I'll go right to the credit scene. Um, <laughs> I... I <laughs> I really enjoyed that after credit scene, man. Uh, Superman's two for two. I, I loved his Justice League um, appearance, obviously at the end with him and Flash racing, and I loved him showing up in the in the cafeteria there. Um, and yeah, you know, you didn't get to see his face, but that's fine. I think the effect still worked, and like Carlos said, actually, if not even better that we didn't get to see it. Um, the, the costume looked in continuity with the world of the DCEU, so that that really worked, man. So that that was cool. Um, the film uh the film <laughs> the film was just pretty weak for me man and um it just it didn't do much in this day and age of superhero films for me it had a little bit of heart going for it towards the uh towards the end um the kids the two kids were were, were, were fantastic but i really have to give it more so to um levi i thought levi was really cool and i really like what he brought to that character of shazam and you know shazam and um and thor are, are characters i think that are pretty hard to translate on the big screen and i think um levi did something i think he did something pretty well here with that character bringing him um to real life really um the costume the effects weren't the biggest thing for me the score again is very unforgettable i mean sonny you brought up queen and i'm glad you did bring it up because i did like that song choice but i completely forgot about that song <laughs> uh, 
the um what else do we have here going on the whole mom motive was kind of shaky for me um especially with the reveal at the end but the biggest tragedy or tragedy here is mark strong uh this this mm-hmm. guy is a phenomenal actor and what they did here was just such a waste of talent especially um I guess you could say this is like the third time we got a chance to begin to work with this character in the DCEU because we did have, I don't know if it's ever going to happen, but there was hopes that he was going to be a Lex Luthor. We did have him obviously portray um, Sinestro already, and he did a good job actually as Sinestro Mm -hmm. in a pretty bad film. But here with this this character, oh man, it was such a miss, such a fail. And I really feel like this movie could have benefited more if we got to establish his family a little bit more so and really, um, you know. Yeah, I really, really dig in there a little bit more so. Because in this day and age, man, a lot of these villains are being developed. And um, it's something else. It's It really just makes you soak up the film that much more when you can kind of see what's going on with the hero's villain. And here they just missed that opportunity big time. The, the Seven Deadly Sins just really took me out of the film. I thought they did such a poor job. It looked like something from from Spawn, uh, the Spawn film. Like it just <laughs> it, it didn't work for me by any means. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't want to keep bashing at this film. Would I recommend it? No, I, I wouldn't. Um, was it funny? Yeah, there were some funny moments. I mean, if it's on TV and it happens to be playing, sure, give it a, I, I guess you could, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going there, sorry. I can't do what I want to, but I feel bad because I'm coming off of Birds of Prey being like, I don't recommend it, but I, I gotta stick to what I gotta stick to, so, no, I don't recommend this film, but I am interested, actually, in seeing what they're gonna do going forward. Um, with the DCE, yeah. and if and if they're not going to really connect it, that's fine. But I would like to see just off of what they've done with Levi and the cast of kids, um, and obviously with the Rock joining, I would love to see what the Rock's going to do with uh, Levi on the screen. So, yeah, man, uh, what are we giving a recommended out of, out of ten? Is that the rank we're doing? Sure, ten we change it for you every, instead of out of one podcast. <laughs> yeah, so out of, no out consistency. Out of two, no, um. Shoot, I'll give this thing. I don't know what I gave Suicide Squad, but I like this one. One up of Suicide Squad, <laughs> one down of Harley Quinn. Yeah, I like Harley Quinn more than that. So than this, that's my recommend or my my rank. I'll give it a two out of a ten. Did not feel wow. as low. Man, yeah, Suicide Squad must have been low. Yeah. Yeah. Suicide Squad is. Suicide Squad was like negative three for Troy. Oh man. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Sonny, my dude. Oh. Yeah, I Bring feel like I'm home. like a lawyer and like closing arguments. <laughs> like, uh, what, what does he say? Your honor, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I submit to you for your approval of the Midnight Society, my review. <laughs> um, before I get to that, the, so the three credits, so there's three scenes. Um, the first one, of course, was Superman. I love that scene. I had a big smile on my face. I would have liked, though, Henry Cavill to be in there just to build that continuity. Like, that's one thing I'm always super jealous of Marvel is, like, um, what's his name? Chris Evans will, like, show up in Thor 2 for 30 seconds. And you're like, the hell, man? Like, you can't you can't do that in, like, DC? Like, Henry, I, I know The Witcher wasn't filming, like, the whole time. Like, you could have dragged hey, your ass. You could have had a mustache and they could have got rid of <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> that would have been funny, though, right? Like, that would have been, like, a nice little nod or something. But... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, I would really like Henry Cavill to return as Superman. And I was kind of thinking that if he appeared as Superman in this film, that would strengthen his chances. And him not appearing probably weakens his chances, in my opinion. 
if they ever do another Superman film. So that's kind of why I wanted Henry. But I, I, you guys are right. Like, it, it did work in the film. The second end credit scene was uh, Mark Strong. So Dr. Savannah, he's in his jail cell and he's like scribbling on the wall um, those symbols, but he just can't get it right. And then you hear this voice and then it's this it's this like six inch or 12 inch worm, this green worm with a voice box around its neck. OK, and it's saying like doctor, like primitive primate prime, primate or something you know, all the funds we're going to, all the fun we're going to have as I show you the seven worlds or something. Right. And then, um, and then it kind of ends. And so that's kind of setting up the sequel. If, if you know, like Shazam comics, that's Mr. Mind. Who's like one of Shazam's biggest arch nemesis. Who's like the smartest, like inchworm. He has a good line. He's like, he's like, I named the gods doctor, not the other way around. So this guy's like, he looks unimposing but he is like a complete badass so that's setting up the sequel there um and then the third scene is just like a funny little gag where they're testing all the powers and then um shazam's trying to think like speak to fish and he makes like some sort of joke and he's like ah speaking to fish is lame and then freddie has on like an aquaman t-shirt and he's like yeah who wouldn't want to like command an army of like billions in the ocean and then he goes like, oh, yeah, I guess that's a cool power. So those are the other ones. If you haven't seen them, <laughs> check them good. out. They're, like kind of, they're kind of good. Um, but my overall thoughts on this film, um, no poker face here. Um, I loved it. Like, uh, obviously, if you listen to this review, if you stuck with us for this long, hats off to you. Um, but to me, I just thought this was just a tremendous film. Like, I just thought everything worked well. This was just like if I was like trying to make a perfect film, a lot of the stuff would like be in here. Um, but it's not quite a perfect film. Like, you know, as we mentioned, the villain could have been a little bit stronger, but to me, everything else was just so strong around that. And the story really focused on Billy and it had heart, it had humor and like the humor didn't take me away. It wasn't too much. I think it was like just the right amount, the action, the fighting I thought was cool. Um, you know, this is like, the family i want to see like the shazam family versus the fast and the furious family like the family battle now um but i liked how like everyone because it's, it's about family yeah Shazamly. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i, I like like seeing all the people level up into the superhero i i know that they did that in the comics but i didn't expect them to do that in the first film i thought they would kind of build towards it um but yeah man like if, if you didn't dig it hey troy man no shame that's all right like we all we all don't like the same things and like Next time you mention something that you really love, I'm just gonna crap all over. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> love what you love, man. Love what yeah, you love. Yeah, man, exactly. You know? Love exactly. what you love. Love what you love. All that stuff. So yeah, man. Um, to me, I give this film a nine out of ten. Um, it's 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 near perfect. Like it's so strong. The things like when you're trying to rank like the DC films, it's it's so hard because I'm such a super fanboy that like I think like Aquaman's a masterpiece and it has like the pitbull song in it and, and like i still think it's a masterpiece um and, and i'm a bvs apologetic uh yeah i love that film and like wonder woman so i would probably put it in like it would be like three or four depending on how i'm feeling it's like interchangeable with aquaman but surprisingly i did dig this one more than man of steel so um for me like and, and you know how much i love man of steel so uh, that's saying something i think you know if you want to like give this film a chance I, I don't think you'll be disappointed unless you're Troy, 
who I, if I remember correctly, I think I like gave you the DVD or the Blu-ray. It was like after we we recorded, and I was like plucky, and I was just like, "Here you go, Troy. You're gonna love this. I just know you will." And like it was like it's like when you find out like Santa Claus isn't real when like Troy comes back and he's like, "Yeah, man, this wasn't for me." And it it kind of felt like Billy felt when he was trying to find his mother, and he finally. Knew- so oh, I feel terrible. Oh, <laughs> and that's how you made me feel, Troy. Like it just crushed my poor innocent little heart. Oh. Well, I'm um, glad I gave it back to you because I was contemplating to put it in my recycling bin, right? <laughs> brought it back. So that's a plus. That's funny. That was one of the first times we recorded, and I thought that you were just joking around with him. Because <laughs> yeah, I, if I can say one thing about the film, it's like totally harmless. It's like a wonderful world of Disney film. It's just like you can't not like it on some level. Like it's it's all right. And here we yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. I think like I honestly think like this film is gonna age really well. Um, I'm really excited for the sequel, and if they do like another team up film, one I think Shazam have absolutely has to be in it, um, just to see the interactions between the characters. And if they do another sequel, I would love to see Gal Gadot or Jason Momoa appear as like the end cameo scene, or even like uh, Ray Fisher or someone or Ezra Miller, like uh, just bring someone in because. I think that was that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just yeah, he's gone. <laughs> it just, but it'd be funny for uh, like them to continue to just uh, headless cameos though. No man, I want to see like Jason Momoa, like Aquaman shooting the shit with like. I want to see like Shazam being like, oh man, like this beer is awful, and just seeing Aquaman be like, what? Like beer is awful, like something like that. I think that there would be. So be cool. <laughs> I would love to see like the interactions and just see this universe grow because like. I know it's growing, but I'd like to see like the interconnectivity of it, and um, so that's why I, you know, that's my spiel. That's what I want to see for the sequel. But I, I'm so there for the sequel. I'm so there for Black Adam. Everything I've heard about Black Adam sounds awesome, and it's got the Rock in it, so you know it's going to be good. So that's yeah, man, like that's our... yeah. He's oh huge. man, he's got all this quarantine time to like work out now. So he's yeah. he, he's gonna be even more Jack, like poor Zachary Levi when he goes. He's gonna be like fighting like a London bus. No, or something. no padding in that suit. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to like de-pad him because it'll yeah. be like <laughs> CGI him down a bit. So, all right, guys. Well, there it is. There's our Shazam review. Like I said at the start, over a year in the making, and we'd really like to know where you guys sit. Are you Team Troy, Team Sanjay on this? We've got a spectrum of rankings from two to nine out of ten with Carlos and I. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle there. So this has been an absolute blast. This is probably one of our longest reviews ever. So and I think that's appropriate because we've had the buildup of a lifetime or a podcast lifetime for this <laughs> review. So I, I, this was a lot of fun, guys. Yeah, like I said, let us know where you sit on this film here. Are you on Troy's side? Are you on Sanjay's side? And just really- as a disclaimer, if you're going to be using the hashtags, don't vote Team Troy just in the hopes of getting a shirtless autograph picture in the mail <laughs> preserve the integrity of the exercise there will be no gifts no. allocated we just want your honest thoughts on the <laughs> hey what if people and that goes for team sanjay as well like if you don't want a shirtless team sanjay photo in the mail you know just don't vote for me for that reason vote for me using your integrity that's right that's right guys integrity first <laughs> All right. There it is. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the podcast, the review, or Shazam itself, you can always email us at thenerdram at gmail.com. You can find all of us on Twitter looking for those hashtags, you know, hashtag stay home, stay nerd, all that. You can find us through there. We the nerd, everything. 
it's all there. Check out our Instagram at the NerdRM. I had some fun throwing up some Jurassic Park stuff here, and I did a ton of research, which we're going to start talk about next week about this new obsession I have with uh, Jurassic Park figures and now collecting those. So, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's gotten crazy again. And uh, we'll be back to kind of our normally scheduled program next week, talking our weekend nerd. We'll find some topic to, to, to brush over, to talk about, to get in some depth about for sure. What else I forgot here, guys? Our, our website, the nerd, our, the, at the nerd, what is it? The nerdroom.net. <laughs> That's it. How many times have I said this? Like 200 times. <laughs> you can find everything we do over there. Service Commonwealth, the guys, you know, continue to pound out some actual really great podcasts, even in the absence of major news. We got Clone Wars still coming on. There's a new documentary series on the making of Mandalorian coming here May 4th, guys. A couple weeks away. We're going to see an eight part miniseries there. So we're going to be covering that. They're going to be covering that. Check all of them out. And last but not least, give a big shout out to Man Rob Wade to endorse this podcast over Martian14.com. Let's go there and check out everything that he is doing, as well as the other endorse podcast. Guys, with that being said, we're going to put this to bed. We are all cut up in the DC Extended Universe. We got a few more film reviews to do here in the future. But for now, we're just going to put a pin in this one and let you guys decide who the actual winner is here on the Nerd Room Civil War. Guys. We'll be back next week for episode 216. With all that being said, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Batman. And I'm Team Sanjay. Yeah, he is. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming back every single week, and thank you very much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out thenerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and The Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.